Welcome back, dude and dudettes, to another wild episode of Send It, Mate. We're here to talk about all things hunting and outdoors, and today we've got something that'll keep your gear running smoother than a dingo's getaway. That's right, our show is brought to you by High Calibre, the gun and knife hole company that knows how to keep your firearms and blades in tip-top shape. High Calibre is like the secret sauce for hunters, anglers and outdoorsy folk everywhere. It's like the magic potion that makes your gun and knives happier than a dog with two tails. You know, guys, I've been using high-caliber oil for a while now, and let me tell you, it's the duck's nuts. My rifle practically sings a lullaby when I take it out hunting. And speaking of lullabies, ever tried sneaking up on a deer with a squeaky gun? It's a prime way to end up with no venison in the freezer. You'll be hungrier than a vegan at a bacon festival. Absolutely. But with high-caliber oil, your gun will be quieter than a ninja in moonlight. You'll be stalking your prey with the grace and stealth of a mountain lion. High Calibre doesn't just keep things quiet, it also prevents rust and corrosion, so you won't find your gear looking like it's spent a season at the bottom of a creek. That's right, and for you knife enthusiasts out there, High Calibre has got you covered too. Your trusty blade will slice through anything smoother than butter on a hot biscuit. So folks, don't let your gear become a rusty squeaky mess. Head on over to highcalibre.com.au and grab a bottle of their oil today. And if you use the code SENDITMATE at checkout, you'll get a special discount. I say again, use the code SENDITMATE for all your oil slick, stealthy hunting needs. Thanks to High Calibre, you'll be sending it in style and silence. So, gear up, oil up, and send it, mate. High Calibre, the ultimate oil for the ultimate hunter. that the first thing that people want to hear? Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, everyone's sick of Ryan. I'm, I'm convinced now. If you look at our Instagram Fuck this week. Everyone's talking about me though, man. <sighs> they are. Not, not in a good light, but at least they're talking. You know what they say? Any news is good yep. news, bro. Lap insane. it up while you can, sunshine. Yeah. 15 minutes of fame. I don't pay attention. We, everyone, almost everyone knows that I, like, I go on Instagram maybe once a month and even then, <laughs> you know. <laughs> once a month Generous, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go absent. I do. Like I, have, I, have, I go dark for a little bit. Anyway, welcome back, Let's ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Send It Mate Podcast. I'm Caleb. I'm Josh, and I am Ryan. And we've got another special guest this week, Ryan. Whilst you've been absent from social media, have you come across our next guest on the socials? I have actually. Yeah, you actually have. <laughs> wow, well, there you go. <laughs> no, I have. That's saying something. All right. Without further ado, our guest. This week is Tash. How you going, Tash? Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, we're going all right. Now, Tash, we've uh, we've been following you on Instagram for a while and had a bit of a chat back and forth. So we thought it'd be a good chance to to have a chat and see what you're passionate about tonight. And I guess we're just eager to sort of get a bit of a different perspective tonight, whether that's you know the female perspective on a few different things or just some sort of different content to mix it up because we've been talking a lot about hunting and fishing and, and sort of blokey stuff. So, yeah, it will be uh, a good chat, I reckon. There's there's plenty of stuff that you're passionate about that you've given us a little preview on. Um, 20, like 22, man. You can't just – it's not blokey stuff. It's people stuff. Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. All right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> for, all, for all you know, it could be – Two blokes and a woman on this podcast. 
Okay, moving on. Moving on. Don't assume gender. That's right. Don't assume, don't assume my gender. Well, or Josh's. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, a spectrum, I believe, Ron. All right. We've got a lot to learn. All right, Tash. Well, uh, we'll get to know you a bit. Now, I've got the 10 questions in front of me, so we'll kick away. Where are you from? You ask as she's um, drinking. So I was born in <laughs> Brisbane um, and I just moved around. We moved around a lot as a kid, so I just lived all up and down the East Coast, like North Queensland, all the way through down to Victoria and, um, yeah, just changed a lot of schools and just always been sort of on the on the move. That was just, I guess, a lifestyle that we had. So, yeah, I just – I find it very hard to claim where I'm from because I just feel like I sort of – I come from everywhere but I don't come from anywhere at the same time. Oh, fair <laughs> Is that just through um, your parents' work having to move around or – yeah, 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 yeah. So they just – dad was um, – worked in earth moving, like in construction and that, and sort of you just go where the new contracts are really and was the foreman of that. So we just, we just yeah, moved around quite a bit. Yeah, fair how, enough. How did you go with that, moving around so much as a kid? Because I just imagine it being a bit difficult, I mean, depending on how often you're moving. Like did it – do you think that that sort of helped shape who you are today or, or? – Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely do. I think it builds um, a bit of resilience and you just learn to, um, I guess, just sort of not, not fit in with the crowd. I, I would definitely not describe myself as anyone that fits in with the crowd, but I think you just, you just learn a lot of people skills and um, from a young age and, and just that resilience and also how to be by yourself, which I think is a really important life skill to, to be comfortable oh, in your own company. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. You definitely have to be happy with yourself before you can be happy in other ventures, that's for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, what's your favourite food? Steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you tried deer? <laughs> have you tried venison? Yeah, I have yeah. had a bit of deer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mind gamey meats, not at all. Um yeah, I'm quite – I'm not a picky eater. Like I eat whatever's whatever's put on the table um, and gamey meats are, are good and, and we sort of had a lot of just random stuff when we were kids as well. And What's the weirdest meat that you've had? Like out there. That's, I'm sorry, I worded that <laughs> yeah, terribly. That I worded yeah, that really, that was, really badly. Yeah. What is the most exotic <laughs> animal that you've like eaten? Like my army side was like. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's, yeah. All right, should I say something? You can, you can say whatever you want. You can feel free to hang shit and whatever we say. That's fine. What is, what is like the weirdest animal that you've eaten? It's probably a better way of wording that. My apologies. Oh, what did we get? What did the chef buddy make in Canada? I got um, some, I got to try moose jerky. Oh, moose jerky. Fuck, that's a lot yeah, of jerky that comes out of those things. It's a lot of everything that comes out of those things. <laughs> but um, so big. Yeah, and that's that's kind of cool because, like, where I where I was in Canada for the time was owned, was it like an Indian reserve. So anything like that, like even have salmon out of the river, you need, like, the, the local nation's people's permission to, to touch anything like that or to shoot anything like that. So, mm. so yeah, an Indian mate of mine that was off the reserve, that was um, near the property that I was working at. Yeah, he just brought it and, and um, yeah, and it was pretty cool. What did it taste like? Just, <laughs> just gamey, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> gamey? Yeah. yeah, yeah, just gamey, but did, it was but it was fine. Like you could definitely just take a bag and, and happily eat that. Did you try any bear while you were over there? No, I don't think I did, but I do know that bear 
um, is super dependent. Eating that is super dependent on the season that you've killed the bear, mm-hmm. because yeah. bears are just opportunistic eaters. Mm-hmm. So if you kill a bear on a salmon run, when like or even at the tail end of a salmon run, and they're literally just picking up like rotting carcasses of sockeye and stuff and just eating rotting meat, their flesh apparently is just disgusting. But in the earlier season, before the salmon runs on, like when they're coming out of their hibernation, mm-hmm. and there's lots of berries around, mm-hmm. they literally just eat berries and apparently that's when their meat is like tastes the best so yep interesting like feedlot yeah. cattle i guess yeah yeah well that's yeah that's the same with yeah cattle <laughs> grain fed grass fed yeah oh, well i think we'll come back around to your time in canada a bit later on we're, we're pretty eager to to hear about that uh what was your first job tash uh i just i worked at a local local cafe to support my my fucking horse habit. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's a horsey girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As if she rides yeah. them. She's not into dressing up like them. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't do that around here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's expensive hobby, isn't it? Uh, was that because you owned a few yourself then, or you around your parents? Well, I didn't even get one until I was like fifteen, and we moved out onto a like we moved out onto a property, and yeah, and I got this arthritic old cutting horse with hock issues and um so of course like every paycheck I ever made was like buying this horse all this all these fucking things to just like make him more comfortable and I don't know how much I spent on a very cheap horse but it's like literally the story of my life like yeah so I I did that for a while and and then worked at a service station after that before I went to uni. Oh very good what'd you study? I started studying um, a Bachelor of Science. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know what that means. It was a Bachelor of Science. (laughs) Is it like, I think, isn't science lots of stuff? What were you planning on taking (laughs) it into, basically? Like, I'll give you one guess. We're like into, you know, into the horse world or or maybe into veterinary. So I didn't quite get the, um, like, the end of the year. I can't remember what they fucking called anymore. It's that long ago. Um, I'm so old. (laughs) But I can't like I didn't quite make it into vet, so I made it into a bachelor of science. So if I had done my first year good enough, I could have moved over <clears throat> possibly into veterinary or just maintain and you know do like like major in um you know in equine science. Mm-hmm. And, oh, so uh, like and lead, I got like halfway lead-in. through that. Hey, it's like a lead in like course. Is that because that makes more yeah. sense? Yeah. Okay, I get you. Yeah, it's yeah. like a foundation bachelor thing, bachelor of science. You can kind of spear off into like a bunch of different things from that really yeah it's usually paired with another degree and then I just figured out that I was going to be a really overqualified very in debt uh stable hand and I was like (laughs) (laughs) probably not a good idea like I'm pretty great at making really terrible financial decisions but um this is not a this is a really bad one so so I cut it away. Sounds like someone in this room with us right now. Uh, yeah, they're both looking at me going, yeah, sounds like you, mate. That's <laughs> yeah. ah, all right. Leave it alone. That's the yeah. way. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. All an experience. You just, exactly you just chalk right. it up to experience, right? That's right. That's exactly what it is. I've had lots of experiences. So you you might be an, uh, an overqualified like, stable hand, but you got to think – You'd still be like earning all that money and putting it straight to the horses. So, but even if you're a vet, it'd just be all going back into your horses. So, <laughs> you're not really getting anywhere yeah. with it. Just more expensive horses. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a vicious world, horse the horse world. Like it's just money in, money in, and nothing comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 How do you how do you become a millionaire in horses? <laughs> Start off as a billionaire. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, was like, I thought you were serious. I was like, yeah, actually, how do we do this? Like, what's yeah. what's going on? No, no. We become millionaires. <laughs> nope. Having said that, that's the same with shooting. You go down a rabbit hole with shooting and you end up just spending way too much money. Most people. <laughs> Most people. <laughs> I'm, Dash, I'm the cheapskate out of all of us. I, like, I, don't, I just don't spend money. Well, let me, make the, let me rephrase that. I spend money on the wrong things and then I find the cheapest thing that I can to replace that. And uh, I've got a bit of a re- reputation. So if anything has ever been referenced about like saving money or being a cheapskate, I'm the guy that gets all the fingers pointed at as well. <laughs> so your four-wheel drive covered in all the King's stuff? Yeah, fuck yeah. I've got the King's draw, like everything. Yeah. Spotties. Yeah, King's spotties. I've got them sitting over there. That's, that's me. That's right. Yeah, he hasn't even put the spotlights on. That's yeah, because I haven't bought an antenna yet. Because he, he doesn't oh, have the bolts to put it on. Radio. I haven't, got, I haven't got the bolts. I haven't got the saddles. It's all right. I'm saving. Then you got to then you got to find the guy to play a carton to to actually put them in. Yeah, that's take right. No, nah, he's sitting across from me. See, <laughs> <laughs> three cartons, man. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan cheaps out to support his habit of impulse buying slightly less cheap shit. <laughs> Yeah, but it's still shit. That's a very good way of putting yeah, it. Dear. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, on that on that note, though, what? Well, how much was the first horse that you bought? Just out of interest. So, like, I'm also a cheapskate, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, see, the cool thing is about horses, right? Is you can, I mean, if you're if, if you're like you're you're okay at it is um, you can buy a cheap horse and you can make it into something better and then, you know, make a nice horse for yourself. <laughs> so, like, I think, I think I've heard every horseman like, say that. <laughs> <laughs> I can fix you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't, I mean, you can't buy a crap rifle and then make it into a good one. <laughs> well. But you can buy a good crap rifle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then every time you shoot badly, just say, no, it's not me. It's just my, it's, my cheap crap rifle. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely the $30 yeah. bipod. It's just throwing around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me at all. All right. Well, we, we touched on billionaires and a lot of people's answer to this question was that they'd like to be a billionaire. Tash, if you could trade places with anyone in the world, who would that be? Oh, I really struggle with this, hey. I'm like – I'm pretty sure I'm going to go like all female on this and be like Jason Statham's wife. (laughs) (laughs) That is is one of the best answers ever. It's probably the best answer, I think. (laughs) We wanted a unique unique perspective. We got a unique perspective. That is so good. (laughs) We've had a lot of different answers like that. You know what? I'll take, I'll take, you know, I'll take, I'm not even, I'm not even greedy. Like I wouldn't even take billionaire. I'll just take millionaire. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So I gather you think Jason Statham's a bit of a right then? You know, maybe it's like a thing for the word Jason. You know, Jason Momoa? <laughs> he's single now, isn't he? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's single. What? I'm in with a chance. <laughs> yeah. Never. Um, 
You best start drafting your no letter, way. your love letter no. to him. Well, we're going to tag him in this podcast. That's oh. right. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> He'll give it a listen. Uh, well, do you have kids, Tash? Maybe if Jason oh, Momoa um, listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, he already has kids, so like well, I don't even need that to box. Worry about it. Yeah, mum. Someone, someone already went through, you know, all of the um, uh-huh. epicness that comes with the female side of childbirth. <laughs> this is, I don't know. That's a really big question. Like, and it depends, like how far you want to go down that rabbit hole of female perspective. Like, I would say outwardly. Like no, I'm not really. I like children, but I don't think I would. I would have children. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm 30, so I'm old as dirt. No. <laughs> yeah, and just they're just such a big commitment. Like, and you've you've really got to find like the right uh, partner. Mm-hmm. And mm. and I just yet to find sort of. I just think it's a really vulnerable place to be as a woman to have children to to sort of someone right. Like because that's. Once you've had a, a child, you've you are connected to that other person forever. Well, for life, like mm. essentially, even if you separated or whatever, it's you you will share something with them forever. Mm. And and like we're going like into another fucking rabbit hole here, but I think like you've just got to so carefully vet the other person. Like so, I don't know. Like I just see a lot of people really race into having kids with someone else, and they don't really feel like they know that person really that well. And it kind of ends up pear shaped, and I just feel like there's a lot of kids that pay for probably poor decision making on the parts of adults, or um, yeah, definitely it's a mature. Yeah, way of looking at it. there's a lot of there's a lot of like generational trauma out there, and I'm just like, well, I don't want to add to that, you know, mm-hmm. pool unless I was really really confident in the person that I was with that it was a really really solid thing. So yeah, yeah but it's not like this thing that like sits on my bucket list and, you know, and I get, like, weird get dreams about having children. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, like, that's a fair yeah. comment, I reckon. I mean, two of us are dads and, uh, I mean, I'm, I've got twin daughters and I'm divorced and I, I hear what you're saying and, you know, if I, if I had my time again, I'd probably do a lot of things differently. Um, but I, the one thing I probably would say in response, because I do agree with you, because ultimately you want to try and make the best decision up front. But if it all does go pear shape, you just got to make sure you learn the lesson from what, what you've been through. And my girls mm. definitely don't miss out on anything. They're, I'm a much happier dad now that I'm not with their mum. And I think their yeah. lives are enriched by having the two different families. With And their mum's got a new partner. I've got a new partner. Um, so they've probably just got more love. And it's just the logistics you have to navigate around. So mm. – I mean, yeah, yeah. 100% agree with what you're saying. There's a lot of um, trauma that goes on with, with families separating. I was just lucky, I guess, that my my kids were only two, so they didn't really know any different and they were sort of young enough to be able to cope with it. But, yeah, it's a, definitely a tricky decision. It's a, it's a life-changing decision to have kids. So you want them trying so to do the best. So it's such a big decision. Mm. Absolutely. No, I agree with everything you just said. Like if I had a kid that I didn't like <laughs> – or I didn't, you know, what can you do if, if I get a dog or a horse I don't like? I, just, you know, I was shit scared of that actually when, my, when my, my son came along. I was like, what if he's just a piece of shit? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Straight in there. Like, yeah. Not like when he's a kid and a piece of shit, but like, because I was a right shit when I was a kid. Like, like early, what do you mean when early you were to a late, kid? Well, hang on. I was a shit for a fair while there. Still but up. I was like, if my son is anything like me, 
I, I just wouldn't know what to do with myself. Like that was a genuine concern. Turns out he's just like the most kind, nat- like he gets it all from his mum, the most kind natured kid ever to like wouldn't hurt a fly. But um, yeah, big decision. And then I got scared a little bit and then uh, we're all good now. So, but mm. agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, you just like, it's not something that you'd take on lighthearted at all because, but it's one of those things that you don't know it. There's like the classic like parents say to people that don't have kids, like, oh, wait till you have kids. You don't know what it's like. Like there is no rule book, but at the same time, you don't actually know what you're getting into either. So you're sort of trudging in the dark, trekking in the dark anyway, and you don't want to add more onto that of the unknown and and more Mm. sort of trouble, for lack of a better word. There's never a perfect time, put it that way. No, there's not. Isn't there? No. No, there's no, never. There's, never. there's a perfect parent, is there? No, isn't Yeah, that's right. No. There is, there's no – Just do the best you fucking can. <laughs> exactly right. You know, and you never know how anything's going to turn out. You just do the best you can and cross your fingers and drink. Hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do not condole um, drinking irresponsibly. Daddy drinks because no. you cry. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> All right, Tash, what is the most dangerous thing you've ever done? I can't even think of anything off the top of my head. Like, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think anything, like, crazy. Not like, I wouldn't say that I'm not a risk taker, but I haven't, like, you know, done, like, skydiving and ridden silly, very silly horses and, there's not there's not many horses I won't hop on, but yeah, it's, you ever, I don't know. You, I just you've had a bad bust up coming off a horse. Yeah, been kicked off. Yeah, yeah, I had a like I like to make a point of staying on. Um, <laughs> 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 the idea is to stay up in the middle, but I had like probably my biggest buster, biggest buster ever, and like last last one was in end of 2011, and I had a little mare that had just come off the racetrack and she'd only been off the track for about um, 12 weeks. And um, and I went and grabbed her. She was being sent down with me. I was moving down to Sydney. And I went and grabbed her from a paddock and all of my stuff had gone in a truck already down to down to Sydney. So I went and grabbed her in, in a halter. And it was only 5K, so I just walked her home. And I got kind of lazy and I was like, I'll just jump on her. Anyways, long story short, I was, I was riding like this freshly off the track mare along the road in just a halter bareback and she's going really good like kudos to her and then a dog came out and <laughs> that was the fucking end of it um well we were nearly home like I was like 600 meters from my house and she just turned around and just like full full bolted like nobody was home um in her head and I had like her um head like nearly in a chest trying to pull her up and it was just she was just gone like and then we were coming back out into a t-section like back out to a main road and I was like oh if I if I'm on her and we both get collected by a car like that's like double as bad so I think I might just bail at this point I can't stop her and so I just kind of half ended up just deciding to bail on the side of the road and I slid along like on my thigh and I have, like, these huge scars down there now. And, like, you know how everything happens in, like, slow motion when you, like, come off something? And then in my head I'm like, oh, if she gets hit by a car, then, like, it's a massive liability. And so I was like, fuck, I really need to catch this horse. And so I'm, like, sliding down the road on my leg and I'm, like, trying to get back up and then just start, like, running after this horse. Please tell me you did a combat roll and then land on your feet and started sprinting, just like in the movies. Uh, 
like it was it was, I, I really wish I had footage of it because it probably would have been pretty cool but I stopped this old lady in her car I'm like stop and she's like pulled over and I'm like jumped in her passenger seat I'm like go after that horse so she's I remember her like looking down at my leg and being like white and I'm like, just let's go and so we've ended up like driving after this galloping horse and we kind of like pulled in front of her slightly and then slowed her down and and then, you know, I got out of the car way up ahead of her once we'd slowed her back to a trot. And as soon as she saw me, like, this horse just came racing. <laughs> she must have been like, where the fuck did you go? Like, did you see what just happened right there? This dog. And, you know, I was like, cool, mate. <laughs> Caught this horse and started to walk it home again, waved the old lady off, and she was just like, what the hell just happened? And... um and then I got like real woozy and sat on the side of the road, got my mom. I put this horse in a random paddock just through a gate. I'll deal with that tomorrow. I don't know whose house it was. And my mum come and got me. Long story short, <clears throat> I ended up at the hospital later that night with 32 stitches and I had to have it all scrubbed out. Oh. And they called like the Burns unit in Brisbane because they were like, we don't even know where to start. And um, and it was really, it was, it was a lot. Like I tried to scrub it out myself in the shower because I really don't like hospitals. And uh, that didn't work. Ouch. Uh, yeah. yeah um, cool. And then I was like, well, I'm at least having dinner because, you know, like when you get to a hospital, like you can't eat anything. So so I insisted on having dinner because it was just full. It was just like fat hanging out everywhere and gris- it was just disgusting. And I just like wrapped a towel around it and like it was a very, very quiet family spaghetti bolognese. Um, <laughs> Everyone was just like, what? And then we, yeah, we went to the hospital and, and, um, and it was just so deep, like the cuts, like the lacerations, which is filled with gravel and grass. And, and, um, they ended up needing to actually, like, they couldn't scrub it out, like under morphine or laughing gas and, um, or anything like that. So they ended up having to knock me out. So, but I mean, you know how, like, in emergency, you get, um, you can get butchers. Like, you just don't, it's just a lucky dip. Like, you don't know who you're going to get. The guy who stitched me up, kudos to him did like an amazing job and he's like there was really i don't know what he stitched there wasn't much left but he stitched it all into like straight lines rather than like this big ugly like oh you know massive burn thing like it's in these really lovely like he's just sort of kneaded and knocked into like straight lines so at least oh. they're nice straight scars yeah. that so it's like, so it look, like in my mind i'm picturing wolverines just giving you a nice <laughs> slash and then you that's just got literally like, it looks like a big yeah that's yeah, actually that's what cool. it does look do you tell everyone that wolverine yeah. attacked you and you kick his ass <laughs> god i would i would fucking do that all day you know he's day. not real what <laughs> this is what we deal with tash mm. <laughs> well that's 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 a pretty epic story that's a good one now what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given that's like a, a it's a really hard question hey because there's like there's, there's there's lots of pieces of advice and i've been pondering this a little bit and like I think there's like two that I always come back to and and like they're probably it's like the dumbest answer it really is but but I I think I do actually apply this a lot probably the first one is like what other people think of you is none of your fucking business and like I don't know like that's it just it just really helps brush a lot of shit off when you just like if you just think about it you're like oh god I don't fucking care like it's not my business I don't care yeah and you just move on with your life it's it's a really good way to like just yeah and and then the other one is um it relates back to horse training Mm -hmm. and a really really old horseman said it to me once and 
and like it kind of like just applies itself in like all kinds of female metaphorical ways like through my life where I'm like um I was really caught up I just had this training session you know with a young horse and it it didn't go well and you know I was really sort of um upset about it when when we when we finished up and I was I was pretty cross sort of with myself and you know I could have done this better I could have done that better and and he was just sort of like mate stop like do you think that horse right now is out in that paddock thinking about all the things he could have done better or you could have done better no he doesn't give a fuck okay so just quit thinking about it like it's it's done just Mm. just just do it again tomorrow and just you know make some changes do it differently but he's not thinking about it you don't need to like think about this anymore like it's just Mm. just drop it now and and like I kind of apply that into a lot of other areas of my life. Like um, he was a super skilled, you know, really old stockman from like the bad old days up on the stations and that. And um, so I really, really respected him. And it's just like this thing that just is always in the back of my head. And when I find myself not even with horses but just like just thinking about things, you know, in any other part of my life and just getting to the point that I'm kind of getting really wrapped around the axles about it, I'm just like, oh, Christ, like I just – I kind of just get to the point where I just woo myself up and I'm like, it doesn't, I'm not at a point anymore where I can make any more change to this situation by, you know, stressing about this right now. I'll pick this back up and and worry about it sort of when that time comes. Like I've done as much as I can. Mm. Do you know, does that make sense? Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah, I think that's good advice, both of those points. Absolutely. It's that, it's that old like you are your own worst enemy sort of thing. You can either <clears throat> let it go and let it consume out of control let it consume you or you can let it go in the sense of stopping it's probably That's, really good for your your actual mm. like well-being and, and like health in general being able to let go of some things and not stress and stew on them i'm a firm believer that stress can complicate your health oh shit yeah for yeah. sure like, absolutely like, there's, there's like, yeah. the science yeah. behind that man but no, like, i think that's that's spot on. Like that's the, I actually literally had a conversation about that with my six year old this afternoon. Exactly that. They didn't go and try not to think about all of the things <laughs> that you think uh, are bad that could possibly be happening or could possibly be happening that you actually don't know about and have no control about. You know, it's learning that you control yourself, and that's about it. Like you're not responsible for anything else. And I think with the first the first piece of advice about. You know, what other people think of you is, is none of your business, especially relevant in this day and age when you know, everyone's on social media and gets so wrapped up in the comments and, and you know, the keyboard warriors get on there and have say their piece. And it's just ridiculous. I think, yeah. I, I, I mean, we're certainly nowhere near Joe Rogan level, but uh, one thing he always says on his podcast is whenever he posts something, he just posts it and then leaves. Yeah. leaves. He never reads any comments and it's just – a perfect way to be like everyone, everyone else is sort of like feeding off of what everyone thinks and you know, mm. how many likes I get, but I think that's just the way to do it. Just, just post and you know, say your piece and then piss off basically. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares what everyone else thinks? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and sometimes it honestly, it just says like, I don't, I just, yeah, I, I try not with the whole social media thing. Like I don't really get too, too jaded about anything that, you know, is not, a positive comment. I'm just like, whatever, man. Like, um, and if it's really that, bad, I'm just like, wow, life must be like really hard as a beta male, right? Like, fuck. <laughs> like, do you, do you get care, bloke, like, do you get people commenting negatively on 
your socials, do you? Not not generally on on mine, but there like there's been um, a time quite recently that it, um, one of my posts was um, a four wheel drive page like posted something, and it was just it was just at a really controversial time with like other posts, and mine just kind of got like tucked up in there with that, and I just. It really, like, I was really, I guess I was kind of happy that it just didn't, I just didn't fucking care. Mate, the way I always chalk it up I to. I just don't. Because I, I, every time there's a bad alteration, altercation um, that I have with someone that's, like, quite evidently blown out of proportion on their end, I always chalk it up to, well, there's something else that's pissed them off and they're just letting it out on me. Like, that's yeah, that's yeah. just the write-off, you know. You just go, well, clearly. <laughs> that's probably no, what no. they think about you when yeah, you have a oh, rant on social media, mate. Probably. And I'm, bad, I'm like... <laughs> I don't know, after a couple of beers, I, I'm not, you know, I am a little bit of a keyboard warrior. I'll, I'll, I'll admit to that. You know, but I, I like to be diplomatic with my wording and borderline insulting. But anyway, it's it's one of those things that do what you got to do and get on with it. It's one of those experiences you're still learning from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just That's why I stay off of socials. It's just, it's like talking to a wall so people say anything. Just don't bite, man. Just yeah. don't bite. Yeah. Let it go. Be yeah, like, yeah, that little dick no. syndrome. It's that little, that like the sense. It's like that versus your sense of injustice or sense of like, um, how can you not see what is quite obvious? Like to you, like that's I think mean, that's the thing that I've I've struggled with a little bit, and that you know recognizing that and dealing with that is a different issue. But you know, my I've got a very strong strong sense of injustice, so I feel like there's if someone's saying something that has no basis or has no it's quite evident that it's with an underlying intent that's got nothing to do with the subject, then I feel compelled to say compelled something. Compelled to I, say something. I get but, that, yeah. but at the same time, you've got to you've got to realise that you ain't doing shit behind. Oh no, I get like keyboard. don't get me wrong. Like like ninety percent of the time, I just keep scrolling. No worries. <laughs> like the time that I got caught out, I was a like a well couple of drinks in. Yeah, I had yes. a bad day, <laughs> and I was the douchebag that was like, yep. I've had a bad day about something else. I'm going to let it out on these people. So, <laughs> my apologies to the to anyone that I have ever insulted ever. It was never about you. <laughs> <laughs> what a general apology. See? Point point made. Exactly right. You know, lessons learned on you know within yourself. Just give me two seconds. I'm just going to grab my portable charger and whack it on this phone. Yeah, no dramas. Those battery packs are awesome. Oh, yeah, it's like a microwave. Once you've got, like, you don't know how you live without it. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I got one that was like a jumper uh, pack for my ute because the batteries in the ute were getting a little bit heavy oh. going. Oh, yeah. And it doubles up as a. Was this also from Kings? No, it wasn't. It was a one of those um, spontane- spontaneous buys. From cost Kings? Way too much money. It wasn't from Kings. No, I just okay. walked into an auto shop. I don't even know which one it was. <laughs> like my batteries Came every on. now and then don't turn the car over, so I should probably get it like one of those little portable jumper kits. Probably just, just get, get a new, new battery. battery to get. <laughs> Again, so it's like this is the perfect example of a cross between being a cheapskate and then spontaneous buyer. I was like, I don't want to pay because I got dual batteries. It's so. called maintenance, man. It's it's not. It's, oh. Yeah. All right, so I was like, I don't, it's all right because I, I didn't know if it was the batteries or if it was the alternator or what the fuck was going on. So. I pulled over, managed to get close enough to some auto shop, walked there and went, might need to jump the car a couple of times. What do you got? And he said, this. And then I bought it and then I used it twice and then got new batteries because the batteries are fucked. So you spent twice as much. Yeah. Absolutely I did. Again, it's an experience. 
Yeah. Where's that womp, womp, womp? This one. Yeah. Nah, do you know what? Actually, it, I'm kind of glad that I did get that, and I recommend everyone does get one to keep in their ute because it, I've saved so many other people who've left their lights on, and when you're out in the middle of buck, fuck nowhere. Wouldn't, wouldn't you just put jumper cables in your car? Yeah, just yeah, put jumper cables this, in This car. unit's like 200 mil by 100 mil, and it can jump a V8 12 times. We'll test without it having to charge. And it can charge all your other shit. And it can well. charge all your other That's shit. That's the so. point he's trying to make. Yeah. So it was like it was a spontaneous buy, an impulse buy, but it was worth it because I've also been stuck where the missile goes around and wants to charge her phone, so it turns the ignition on and plugs the cable in and then drains <laughs> the battery overnight, and then you go, fuck. <laughs> so it's got me out of trouble before. Anyway, let's not bore Tash with your yeah, purchases. Not. I'm just, no, no, no. Can I, can I, I just say, I... <laughs> I, I am like as female as shit. I have this terrible, terrible habit of leaving my lights on because I don't have an alarm in my oh. freezer and I don't know how many times I have killed my own battery, like coming back out. I'm like, oh. Sounds like you need yeah, a jumper back. been here. Fucking st- <laughs> mm, no, because well, I had my my dad had one once when I was up at the Whit Sundays visiting them, and um, and he was like, ah, it's fine, I've got this jumper pack, and he like put it on there, and it was just crickets, like nothing. But I had like one of those, you know, really big. That wasn't like a standard um, jump battery. It was it was a big battery, and it was yeah. just it was dead flat. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I didn't I didn't have any luck with mine. Well, I need an alarm on my lights. Yeah, a little beep or something. Little yes, buzzer. that's handy. Yeah. Is that like an aftermarket thing that you can get? Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> what do you know? I need a light. I need a, a, a sound that goes on when my lights are on. All right. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get on to the next question, and it sounds like we're we're nearly talking about what I think might be the answer. But I'll ask you, Tash. What is your most treasured possession? Oh yeah. Oh. It's either going to be the horse the or the I car. So my absolute most like absolute treasured 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 possession um is was um my my cruiser Ute. Uh, I had an O six factory turbo cruiser, which like I can't exp- I think it's like a car person thing. I don't know how to explain it without sounding like a freaking psychopath, but. Um, I just loved, 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 loved this car. Like every morning I would turn it on and it would just bring a smile to my face. And I'd owned it since, you know, like 2000 and early 2017. So it was just, it was just my most favorite thing in the whole entire world. And I loved it. And, um, and actually like super, unfortunately I was, um, in a pretty major, uh, collision at the end of last year. Um, I had an out of control driver hit. They were in like a little barino, oncoming car on the highway, hit a really large body of water, aquaplane, lose control of their car and it spun and, and it hit my car. And, yeah, he just like he just hit my passenger door probably about 80K an hour, I guess, and um, going underneath. And then it like hit my passenger door, went in underneath um, my uh, toolbox and then my car launched up off his like a ramp and then rolled four times down the highway, <laughs> like full Mad Max. Yeah, it's, it's pretty mm-hmm. nuts. And you've, you've got some photos of that up on your Instagram. Um, there's not too much left. <laughs> no, there's not. So no. how did you fare out of all that injury-wise? I'm fine. Like I, I honestly like 
again, I don't mean to sound like I'm a pretty straightforward person. I don't mean to sound like a nut, but I just, I think I just loved that car so fucking much that I just, I felt really protected from it. I just got all that love back in that one moment when it really fucking mattered. And it's like, it 100% saved my life. In fact, the severity and the speed of the crash when the, um, when the fire is pulled up, he was just like, mate, I have no idea how you're, because I was sulking. Like, I was big time in my youth, just did not want to speak to anyone because I was so fucking angry. Uh, and I, I just knew deep down I, this car wasn't repairable. Um, and yeah, and he was just like, mate, if it helps, you shouldn't, probably shouldn't be alive. He was like, like, you, well. can I just outline that you're alive? Like, yeah. um, if you're in any other car, you and probably those other passengers like fuck knows this would be really 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 different mm-hmm. and um and you should just be really grateful that you're still here in one piece like completely in one piece mm. and uh and i just kind of like i don't know probably grunted at him and then just like folded my arms again and, <laughs> yeah and, um, well i sat in the rain and, and waited for the ambulance to come pouring it was, rain was like pouring through my car because the windscreen was shattered and yeah it was a uh, interesting but that that was my most absolute by and far my most favorite possession in the whole world so we see on your insta you've got yeah. a got another cruiser is how's that one going for you yeah we'll see um <laughs> not the same it, ain't, ain't like the old one no it's it's not yeah no it's it's like um it's like trying to be out in the dating game like too soon like <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the best soon. car yeah. analogy I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Did you take I'm it not, for a test drive ready. first? Did you test the waters? Just you know, yeah, you got to do all these things, like you know, and it goes hard. <laughs> but um, look, I I bought a really like I I should be really really grateful for what I've got. Um, within a very short amount of time of of losing my other vehicle, uh, who was named Angus, um, I went and you know test drove a heap of I will only drive a turbo six cruiser like I don't want anything else um I did consider a few v8s but I was like no it's just I just love my turbo sixes and I also like was able to you know I can take myself and and go and look at them and feel quite confident mechanically looking over that car and feeling like I'm not going to get stooshed. But if I went and looked at a V8, like I'd be like, wow, it sounds fucking sick. And then (laughs) I would just, I would find the biggest lemon ever. And I wouldn't know. Like, yeah, I would have been really easy to rip off. And I knew that for a fact. So I just, I just kept with what I knew and what I love. And, um, and I found one that's, it's an 05 model. It's got like an original 200,000 Ks, which is, which is getting hard to find, um, you know, those, those particular utes with, with with what is considered pretty low kilometres for that engine. Bloody oath, most of them and it was like... local and it's been in the – they're flogged, hey, yeah. 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 And Sorry, uh, <laughs> it was, it's been in the one family its whole life. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, you know, the history of the car is pretty, pretty findable. Yeah, you, know, um, you know it's been looked after. But it's just stock standard, like. Yeah, it's been and it's been it's actually a really lovely story kind of that goes with it. And it was the guy who originally owned it, um, I'm pretty sure from New, got early onset. He loved this car, like just loved this Ute, kept it in tip top condition and it's all stock, but he just just he was very proud of it and loved it. And he got early onset dementia. Hmm. And um, which is really sad. I mean, that'd be a really horrible way to see, you know, a family member go. And um 
So they had to kind of take this ute off him because he eventually got to the stage where he shouldn't be driving on public roads anymore. And But apparently he had, a, like, these keys, like, stashed around the place. He had, like, six. They found, like, six keys for this car. Oh, wow. And he would, like, sneak in and jump in this ute and then just, like, drive out to his buddy's place and then they would have to call and be like, hey, your uncle's here. Yeah, let's go. You come get him. What a legend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, yet. it was. It was I, I just loved that it had come from someone who had really loved it. And then their young fella, like the nephew of this this uncle that got early onset dementia, he he'd been this young fella had been driving it, and and he really loved it too. And he'd been driving it for about the last two years, and um, you know, he'd done you know little little bits here and there to it, and just to sort of I don't know, just make it look a bit cooler or whatever. But otherwise, it's pretty unmolested, and it's a good it's a good stock you. Mm-hmm. To sort of start back out with, I guess, and what you, and, um, and do to, what I'm going to do to it. What are your your first plans to yeah. do to it? First thing, what are you going to do? Mm. Oh, I had it for like a week, and I straight away I went and got it chipped. I was just because <laughs> yeah. my old ute must have been um it must have been chewed because it it was an absolute weapon. Like it would just go hard, and I used to drive Angus like I stole it like all the time. Um, <laughs> what a so. You know, I'm that person that like winds their window down when they go through a tunnel just to like give it a blip, and I'm like, mm, that sounds so good. <laughs> like, I'm just a just a wanker. So, uh, so I, the, as soon as I got this year, I went and got a Steinbauer put on it, which is a good safe tune. Um, like, it's, a, it's something safe to do because there's like a trust factor. Right? Again, it's like a relationship. It's like well, I don't know. I, I, you know, I get that it's been looked after and lovely and everything else, and that's what I've been told. But it's sort of you don't want to go putting all this pressure straight on this motor that you haven't really driven around and you don't know it yet, and then just like blow it up or mm. something. I don't know. I'm Definitely. really funny about what I do and how I do it. So, um, yeah, I got a Steinbauer put in straight away, and then I went and got a three inch um, custom exhaust put on it here in Toowoomba by um, Muffler King. So now it sounds a lot better and, it, again, it goes a little bit harder. So um, and I'll probably go again now that I've got, like, the the proper three-inch exhaust and it, it's it's a lot happier. I'll go and get it tuned to go a little bit harder again now and we'll just keep going from there and building on it while I sort of, you know, keep instilling, I don't know, just, like, making sure that I feel like it's trustworthy to keep building <laughs> yeah. what I'm asking of it mechanically. Does that make sense, like, yeah. mechanically? Yeah. This sounds exactly like a relationship. Sort of like- <laughs> it's all about feel, though, isn't it? Like yeah. if, you, if you're feeling it struggle yeah. and, you're feeling, and you're not quite sure, you're just a little bit wary about pushing. A hundred percent, yeah. And I had, like, like all of the faith in, in Angus because I knew that vehicle, like, completely inside out, like, and it had all of the things done to it and looked after and, had been on a hoist like so many times and at my mate's garage in, you know, in his his mechanic workshop in Cannonvale and and there was just nothing about the vehicle that I didn't that I didn't know and, and didn't know was coming. You know, I knew everything that was coming up for it future maintenance wise and, and I sort of you just sort of I'm just sort of starting again with this vehicle and you know, I don't know if the gearbox is gonna just randomly shit itself tomorrow. Like I just I don't know it yet. Does that yeah. make sense? So yeah. does this one not have a name yet? Yeah, look because <laughs> I've noticed you, you're speaking about it very differently you to Angus. Yeah, yeah, it's like shit boxing <laughs> Angus. Because <laughs> well, <laughs> Angus, Angus is a legend in his own lunchtime. Um, so I called this one Bowser, Bowsy. Kind of like, you know that um, thing out of Mario Kart, the, yeah. Little, yeah. the yeah. little angry guy? <laughs> so, um, But this one's, you know, it doesn't have a lift or anything yet. It just, it's just like a little baby. So 
so it just gets I just I just joke and call it baby Bowser at the moment, but it's in the build to be boss Bowser soon. Like it's gonna be I I just want it to be like this big lean, mean machine real soon. And I'm being really Gen Y about it and just like just like just throwing money at it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Really irresponsible. <laughs> yes, you've um, got to yes. do it. If you own a cruiser, you've got to do it. Just it's walk just, in there and tell them you want everything. Uh, just how it is. <laughs> I do. And they sort of see me come in. Like I, I sort of like really had to make myself clear in diesel care. They were like, okay, you know, so we'll we'll put the Steinbauer in and this and that and then, um, you know, we'll put it on the dyno and, and sort of, you know, you mentioned that you want an exhaust. What would you like? And I'm just like I need it to go hard like it just and you know he's like so what kind of you know what are you wanting out of your exhaust i'm like i want to like when i drive past people at a cafe they have to stop what they're fucking talking about because they can't hear yes. themselves when i take off like, yes just like, obscenity status. give it to me and he was like okay <laughs> like i'm just like i just whatever you expect you know some cashed up wanker to come in here and ask for it. I'm, that's what I'm asking you to do. That's when he reaches for the file that says wanker spec and then just grabs everything. Yeah. Out of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, don't hold back. Like, just come on. Uh, that's so good. Yeah. Love it. Well, look forward to seeing uh, how that progresses down the track. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's got a pretty cool paint job lined up in the next couple of weeks. I'm getting it resprayed in a pretty cool pearl colour that's like a colour change pearl. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, which is it's a discontinued uh, Lexus colour. I went down like at like 2 a.m. one night, went down like this pearl white fucking rabbit hole and ended up in like Lexus forums and then I'm like, it was really weird. But I came out the other side with a completely different concept of what I was originally going to go with. But I'm pretty excited to see it. I think it'll look really good. Um, So is it a white base with pearl or like what's the colour? It's a it's a blue based pearl. Ah. So you know, like the you know the, the I guess what, what would you say like the, the the metallic in it is usually based in something mm. as a as a white pearl. Like it could yeah. be like a red or a blue. So this is a blue based, and um and I'm like put like extra metallic in there. He's like okay, <laughs> like wanker stuff. <laughs> Go for it. Um, guy reaches so, for the wank spec folder. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you reach for that folder. Yeah, fuck um, yeah. So it's a blue base, and it so in some lights uh, it looks silver. Like in a lower light, it'll mm. it'll look silver, and in a, in sunlight, in bright sunlight, it'll be a pearl white. So so that's just kind of cool. I just thought it'd be just something a little bit different, while not being like fully out there. I didn't want a Larry color, but I didn't. I'm just sort of I don't want a white a white cruiser again either. Like I want something just that little bit different. Yeah. So that's that's if you look up this color code on Google, it just comes up with like all these different colored cars and some are white and some are silver and some are whatever mm. but they're all the same they're actually the same color yeah, that's cool. oh. so yeah nice. so we'll see how that goes and there's there's a big polished big fuck off five poster bull bar again wank <laughs> folder just, yes just, like pull it out just perusing like straight through that and um fucking <laughs> so like you're gonna so pull I just, some I just like you're gonna pull some massive manies then like once you're once your car's up to spec, you just toughies. Just just roll the main streets, just fucking windows down, letting it roar. Yeah. I what mean, do dudes do, do that and then like, Take like them off the road. No. I'm, <laughs> no, no. I'm like, I'm the dude that like, if, if someone's got a V8 and they drop it and go and pass me, I'm like, wanker. But then if I get into a V8, <laughs> you know, it's a different story. 
Just wait till you own a cruiser, man. Yeah. Or a Turbo 6, Ryan. Come on, listen to the guest. <laughs> I'm saying I would do exactly the same thing. <laughs> anyway, let's let's keep this rolling. Uh, recommend a movie to us, Tash. I don't really watch a lot of TV. Like, so I only got, a, a, like, legit, I only got a TV, like, in the last 12 months. It was because my parents gave it to me. Wow. Um, That's like impressive. I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't, I'm just, I don't know. I'm always busy, like, off doing shit. Um, Living in the real world. Like, I've lived, you know, with partners that have had TVs, but as soon as I'm, like, you know, just whenever I've just been on my own, I was, I'm like, why would I want to spend, you know, a thousand plus dollars on a TV? I like I can't I'm like whatever um so but I would say let's like like I digress um Yellowstone I know it's not a movie but it's a series like you, you've obviously heard of Yellowstone it's so fucking yeah, good yeah of course yeah. oh it's the best it's so fucking good yeah man yeah for sure that's that's my go-to at the moment that's my binge so now I kind of get it. Now I'm like, okay, I see why people like to sit on their ass for hours. <laughs> you get they they fucking play you there. Like they leave you on a cliffhanger, and then like mm. then they've got the yeah. the next one starts in so much time, and then you've got like only a split second to decide whether you're going to be like a three a.m. finish or like a ten a.m. finish. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's it's all it's all fun. the way for me. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Dude, okay. it's three. <laughs> I'm a sucker for that shit. Moderation's for cowards, yeah. man. <laughs> Have you seen those? Is it eight, 18, 1838 or something like this? Like the, the Yellowstone spin-off that they've got. It's got the guy in it from. Um, I haven't. Ah, oh, fuck! Mental blank. Oh really? I've not seen that movie. Cool story, bro. No, the ranch. <laughs> the the dad from the ranch. <laughs> nah, he's he plays. He's the, like the tough guy. In it. It's cool. The dad from the ranch. As in, like from Yellowstone, are you talking about? Is it Kevin, yeah, yeah. Costner, Kevin Costner? No, not Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. That's no, not Kevin Costner. From the ranch. What the fuck are you watching? <laughs> Kevin <laughs> with wolves? No, Kevin. What's his name? Uh, hey. Anyway, I don't but, know. He, but he speaks like this, and he's got a big mustache. <laughs> I'll Google it. All right. Well, we got uh, one more question of the ten, and then we can go a bit freestyle with your tash. What was your first rifle? And if you didn't. Own one or have don't own one. What was the first rifle you used? Shot. We don't know. So this is not something we know about you. So this is this is new territory. No. Okay. So, like, I don't. It's terrible. But um, like, the first rifle that I'd really shot and um, learned to shoot properly was when I when I um joined the army. Even though I'd like been out on properties for a really long time um so that was you know your style just the standard issue um weapon at the time which i turned out to be pretty good at um like no i've never claimed to be like really great at anything but um definitely showed like a bit of uh flair for that and even to this day like i've been in the military now for like 11 years and i'm po like Pogue as they fucking come, aviation. So we like shoot at the wets like twice a year. Like <laughs> we never go to the range because um, that costs money. Uh, <clears throat> don't worry about what we do for a living. Um, anyways, but um, you know, like even now, like so they've changed out. Like um, like like as you guys know, you've got to you know do like a shooting. You've got to do your groups, and um, you used to have to be unsupported. You can be supported now. 
wow. with I'm pretty sure with the bipod down. Oh, really? As yeah. your like I don't know what the fuck that's proving. Like that is not testing your shooting skills at all. Like no, prone no, supported. It's not, but unless you're in like urban uh if you're sort of I don't know, if you're just green roll and you're on the ground and on your guts, like I would always lean the, the mag on the ground or I'd lean the, the um, front grip on the ground or on something. I'd always try and steady my shot. Not that you could, but uh, most. so I can see where that's applicable, but at the same time you're right, it's not testing the individual at all. But this comes down to yeah, totally. yeah. the new generation that's coming in could they even pass such thing with their fucking wimpy dexterity? Do you think that's what it is? I've lowered it because they... Yeah, fucking oath, mate. I, to this day, refuse to do any of those, like, average groupings supported. Like, I just I just can't do it. I'm like, no, that's not what, we're, that's not what you should be testing here. So, like, you guys do you. I'm still going to, you know, do this uh, the way that I feel it probably should be done, which is not fucking supported. Like, because it's testing yeah. your shooting skills. Like, what do you... Do you know what I mean? Like it's like you're breathing. Like you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so, um, so that was that was the first sort of real shooting that I had um done. And I know a lot of people would scoff at that because they're like, oh, the army don't teach it properly and all that kind of stuff. But um, I have been out with mates since, and actually most recently was out. And um, I've got a close friend that shoots really long range. Like he he's really into that and. Holy crap! I thought horses were an expensive hobby, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can Holy dump some smokes. gear. You can I mean, I'm talking like the rifle, and then the scope, and then like the laser, and then the rangefinder, and this it was just thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in the back of this suit, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I've got the cheap hobby for once. Like, holy <laughs> dooly, yeah. Ooh. And had heaps of them. Like he had like four of them there. I don't like maybe that was as much as the cruiser Ute that it was sitting on. I don't know, but <laughs> it's a, it's a it's. But I can appreciate like the precision that goes into it, and um, you know, like he even makes all, all makes all of his own because it's because obviously the longer you go, the more precision you need, and and so many variables are in it. He even like makes all his own. Like he buys the cartridges, obviously, but he makes all his own rounds. Oh, he reloads. Yeah, beautiful. Um. It's definitely Got, a science. Yeah, it, yeah. Like there's a he massive actually, science behind it. He yeah. actually, yeah, and he was like telling me about it, and I was just like, like, um, was like, wow, that's, that's freaking cool. And he actually has an annealer, mm-hmm. so he yeah. puts these rounds once we shot them, like puts them back through, and he made the annealer himself, which was super cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, like that's freaking sick, man. Yeah, so that was that was like a, a insight into, I guess, like a small insight into sort of the amount of like a money and precision and, and it was really really cool so I got to like spend an afternoon out there shooting with them and and did pretty well they were like you've done this before and I was like no I really haven't like, <laughs> oh, uh, the, beginner's luck the um, basic principles of what the army teacher are pretty pretty like bang on it's just it's it's one of those things it's not yeah. a one size fits all you can't you know some you might have little twer- like Twerks, or you know, between people that are different. Twerks, twerks. I can't think of the right word right now. Twerks, twerks, twerks. I mean, you can twerk on the gun range, Josh. But uh, (laughs) I twerk on my hair all the time. Sort of, sort of. I guess like it goes off. 
I guess it's like everything. You've all got your own way of doing it. I've got a question. Is it something that you could see yourself getting into or maybe getting a firearms licence? I'm presuming that you don't have one. Yeah, I actually, um, I literally just launched off an email, funny you say that, two days ago because they're doing one soon um, uh, in the next couple of weeks here in Toowoomba. And I was like, oh, I, I, you know when it's one of those things where like you've been saying you need to, I need to do that like mm-hmm. for years now. And um, so I'm like, no, I just, I really need to fucking get this done so that I can because I'll be out, you know, out of the army soon and, and I really enjoy shooting. And so, um, and then I've got, you know, really great mates that have got, um you know, beautiful rifles, and so it'll be cool to go out with them out into properties and, and do a bit more of it. So you can amalgamate and, and the two, your two league. sports and do it on off of horseback. In the states, they <laughs> they they pay big money yeah. to go on um, guided uh, horse hunts, not hunting horses, but from a horse. Not yeah, we know yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You shoot from yeah. horseback. Brian's giving me a blank look. I'm like, what? in my head, all what I'm thinking is like, there's someone riding bareback with a lever action, just fucking going to town with like massive look, hair flowing if, in the wind. If that's, the, <laughs> that's just like, if that's the way you want to blow. Yeah, right? that way, man. <laughs> Make me that guy. Looks like Jason Momoa. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> He's just wearing a loincloth with a lever action. <laughs> to hide his pedal. Yeah, like a, just like an ammo belt across his chest. That's just just manly. Okay, as fuck. like you know how I said I wasn't gonna have children before? I feel like I found the man that I would I think I'd have children with Jason. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, now you now you're gonna fight Ryan off. That's right. Well, I mean the science allows it now, doesn't it? Not quite, I don't think. All right, well, Tash, at this point, we've finished with the structured questions. So what we normally do in this point of this discussion is, is take people back to, to where their love of being outdoors sort of started. And it'll actually be interesting to hear from you where you sort of started. Was that with horses? Was that with your family? Like what, what, what does an outdoor pursuit look like as a young girl growing up? We, we know what it's like as blokes, but were you sort of more outdoors as a kid or, or indoors? How, how did that look for you? Yeah, so that's – it probably is interesting because I was, like, always um, sort of lived in town sort of for, the I guess, the first sort of, um, you know, 10 to 15 years of my life. But I had an uncle that owned – do you know where, like, Bonshaw, Texas sort of area is in, like, northern, northwestern, I guess-ish, New South Wales? It's kind of on the border. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, it's – it's it's like out in the back country and um and I used to and I but I was always horse mad like from the moment that I knew what a horse was have just always been none of my family are horsey have just always been horse mad and then as I like developed into my own person it's just really different from my family like all of my family are into motorbikes um my dad used to race race motorbikes and um you know, was was like road bikes um, as as well. Did a bit of motocross, I think, but mostly mostly road bikes. And so, yeah, we were sort of my family's more into the motorbikes kind of thing. But I just always just absolutely loved horses, and you know, always loved utes. And I always had like all the Iron William magazines, and you know, just anything horsey, Australiana as well, like that really old stuff where they you know go over like all the old stations and like, lots of stories. I'd just read and read and read, and and just crave for like this lifestyle that. I wasn't from, and um, and then we started going out to my uncle. He owns like ten thousand acres, uh, and it backs onto a national park. And we used to go spend all of our school holidays there, 
and that's sort of where I was, um, you know, he had, he bred paint horses and, and he had like this, this stallion that was really, really quiet, this great big white stallion and, and, you know, with brown sort of patches on him. And, and I used to ride him around and, you know, bring cattle in for him. And, and, um, and it was just a really magic, magic time in my life. And although I wasn't like, we, I was around a lot, all the young fellows that were all um, out there shooting and stuff like that because he owned a big earth moving business. So, um, you know, he had all these employees out there and, and us kids just kind of got like lobbed in with them and they were like, right, oh, you look after these kids. And so we would be out like till like four in the morning um, pig hunting and just just running a muck really or running a fuck. Um, and we just had the greatest time. Like, <laughs> yes. And, and my mom would just be so devastated when I'd come home because, like, my pyjamas, like, I was, like, this 12-, 13-year-old girl and my pyjamas would just be blood-soaked, like, because I'd been out, like, hunting rabbits or hunting so up pigs cool. or roos or something like that, just just out with the lads. And, and we just had the best time. And, um, and so – and then I would just spend all of my school time, you know, back in town just, like, suffocating um, – thinking about that just like waiting for the school holidays like to to be back out there again doing that so I think it's kind of like and I'm, I'm sure you fellas can attest to it it's just in your blood like you're just yeah. born with something in you that has no desire to be in town what do people even do in town I don't know like I don't <laughs> even know what people do that don't have a hobby that's outside. I'm like, what the fuck do you do with your time? You must be so miserable. Oh, there's a, like, lot, a lot of screens just, involved. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just watch lots of Netflix. I don't know. But, yeah, so that's that's sort of how I grew up. Um, just, yeah, I grew up through my school holidays. Just And, you know, we're always in dozers. And, you know, he sort of once he taught us how to, you know, once I was sort of about 14, 15, 16, I was um, able to just, you know, go around and just do like, minimal stick raking of paddocks and when I wasn't doing that with him you know would be lighting massive fires which is like every kid's dream right <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, these huge big piles of of, of of you know trees all pushed up because we'd be stick raking paddocks and you know if we weren't doing that we were fishing or yabbying or just again just running a fuck and we just had the best time I, you know, I used to do a lot of pigging then and I haven't been since really like in my early 20s onwards I haven't had a chance to go out but but once I sort of my lifestyle changes again soon um, I'd be definitely keen to sort of go back into that because I just absolutely loved it yeah nice sounds like a pretty mm. good upbringing I think I think you hit the nail on the head where like yeah I was you, very lucky it's when, when you said like you feel like you were sort of born into something that you don't identify with and you want to be doing mm-hmm. why does like, that sound like an advert I mean I'm using the language I'm using the, the wrong type of language here when like when you feel drawn towards being outside being drawn towards nature being drawn towards being in the thick of it um, I think we can all identify with that what the fuck I gotta yeah. stop using that word I think we can all understand <laughs> using very woke Tommy terminology I know, right? Right? <laughs> I've been watching way too much YouTube bro so you've been trolling too many yeah, people. Too many people. <laughs> <laughs> like I, hundred percent agree with you. Like you, you, because I was born in the middle of suburbia. So, but my my old man loved camping. Like loved it. So he would he would pack us all up and take us up to the Flinders Ranges, and we'd just run amok. Like we'd we'd I'd fuck off for the entire day, like just following creek beds, walking up mountains, and yeah. just being outdoors. And it was just like one of those things that you you. 
you feel like you're in the right spot. And there's people that have that and people that don't have that. And you definitely hit the nail on the head when you're like, well, you know, you, you were you were surrounded by people that you're like, yeah, I'm not really into that sort of thing. But mm. you can for, for those of those that are listening that want to get out and do something, this is this is like a good probably example of like just go out and do it. Like go out and try something. If you don't have people around you that can give you that, try and find someone that does. I mean, you were you were lucky enough to have people in your family to give you everything that you yeah, felt awesome so with straight away. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky enough to be exposed to the things that we've been most comfortable with and, and felt at home with the most. And there's people probably in the city, and I've spoken to a couple of guys in in my line of work that just look at them and you go, fuck me, man, just go outside and walk in the forest. And they would so ever, they'd be so much happier instead of being in the hustle and the bustle of the city. And there's that's like a, a trait in humans, absolutely a trait. You got, you got to wonder though, do those people, are those guys walking around going, something's missing, I don't know what it is, but I, I just I need something. It's, I, I can't put my finger on it, whereas we know what that thing is. We just need to get outdoors and do stuff. Yeah, and that's exactly right. So you, like you talk like to We know what that thing is. We know what that outlet yeah. is, but you know, people are walking it's, it's around in like cities. It's almost like primal or instinctual or like mm. there's like a part of yourself that you – you feel calmer and more at home when you're outside, not stuck in a synthetic environment because everything about the city is a synthetic environment. There's very little – like there's nothing natural about what we do in a side of a city hmm. that that the human – like the instinctual part of a human mind can relate to. Here's a question for you, Tash. So those things you've described uh, about getting out and doing like hunting and, and being around motorbikes and, and whatever as a kid – and dozers, like and lighting fires. Um, traditionally, those are sort of things that you go, well, that's what little boys would do. How was that growing up? You know, with you know being a female, and I'm I'm a man, and I still do that. Yeah, little well, boys would do. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> yeah, who's using the wrong wording now, bro? No, no, no. But my question is, did you feel any sort of pressures to, or anyone in your ear saying, no, you're a girl, you have to do this, you can't do those things, and obviously you love them. And that's the that's the the main thing here. But did you feel any sort of pressure or those you know sides, the genders going? Well, you have to do this. Stereotyping. Yeah. No, um, definitely not. Like I don't. I've been asked that before actually a few times, and I just haven't. And I don't know if it's because I'm just like oblivious. Like because I again, I just who gives just a fuck what anyone thinks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like whatever, man. Um, and I'm like off doing whatever the fuck I'm doing. Um. Yeah, no, it just I don't I don't feel actually like no, I don't feel like I've ever had any pressure to do anything other than what I wanted to do. And um my mum is like a super um down to earth lady, has been through the most like mind boggling things and um and is just the kindest, loveliest person. So I was really lucky, you know, to grow up with her and, and so she never really had like she was just always just like wanted the best for us. Mm. So if I wanted to dress in like just the most tomboy shit and, and you know, she would be devastated that my clothes were covered in like blood and guts, but but she was just like, well, at least you're happy. <laughs> as long as you don't go into a psychopath, like, you know, what can I do? Um, and as long as I was happy, she was happy. Yeah. So no, I've never had any like weird, I wasn't from a family that, um, you know, expected me to be anything other than what I was or am 
And um, and I would even go like one step further and say like even through my, my military career, um, I've been asked quite a lot actually like have you ever felt, you know, like people were sexist or it was hard to have your career and in the way that I think that they're asking, I don't think so. I don't mm. feel like I've ever had an opportunity held back from me or anything because I'm because I'm a female. Yeah. I, I think again, I'm, I don't know if that's because of my personality. I'm just like get the fuck out of my way. I'm doing whatever I'm doing. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, Did you ever find <laughs> that you had to like, prove yourself uh, as a female though? So that's interesting um, and that's what I think people don't kind of realise is that it can be a little bit challenging and I'm not going to say be challenging to be a female. Um, I'm just going to say it can be a little interesting to navigate it as a female because sometimes you will go into uh, certain situations or groups of people that might have a preconceived concept about what you can do as a female or the fact that you're a female now in their group and they're like, God, like this is going to suck now. I've got this chick. Fuck. And, <laughs> and I am, I am one of those people that are just really big on, I hate like a loud mouth woman any more than the next bloke. I'm just like, shut the fuck up. It just kills my life. So I just really believe in like, don't worry about the, the, the biases or anything else. What you need to be worried about, mate, and this is like me in my own head, is that you can do your job and you can do it well. And then if you're doing your job and you're doing it well and you're not holding anyone up or making it hard or whatever, you're not letting the team down, so to speak, then anything after that, if you know that you're doing that properly, anything after that is just someone being a dick. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And then that's, that's, that's their own fucking issue. But, and, but, you know, you've got to understand as well sometimes that there's a, there's usually a bias because they've been shown otherwise in in certain cases. So sometimes I don't even blame them, mm-hmm. like for 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 being like, oh shit, we've got a female. Like, what am I going to have to carry something out of a pack in ten k's? Mm. Yeah, no. That- <laughs> because they've had to before, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I get as frustrated as that as the as the next person. So. I just believe in doing your job, doing it well, and then and kind of, I guess, healing that bias, if there was a bias, healing that bias in the sense of just not trying to prove myself in like in some kind of like egotistical way, but just putting my head down, bum up, getting it done, and then they can make their own assessment after that. And usually, honestly, like 9.99 times out of 10, I can't honestly feel like hand on my heart I've ever come away with someone that's been like, Oh yeah, but she's a chick, so she sucks. Like it's, I just don't think I've ever come across that. Usually, if people are still saying you suck after, it's probably because you actually did your job and you need to do better. It's funny you say that. Like I, despite what I've been told by others about a culture that exists, I've never experienced any man saying that. Like I've never experienced anyone. Look, man, in the in the infantry, when they started bringing the idea of women into into the infantry. Um, it certainly got up the back of a few lads. And oh, you had yeah. the whole argument and the whole, oh, you know, they're not built the same way, this and that. Mm. And the thing that I think ultimately pissed a lot of people off, a lot of males, because 
one, some of these males can barely hit the standard, but is the fact that yeah. they simply drop the standard uh, uh, for the women yeah. to get into yeah. that I mean, role. That, that, that shit. I, I, I believe in equality, and equality is absolutely. the standard. You all meet it. If you can all hit it, you're good to go. It's equality of opportunity. It's fucking quality of job done. Yeah. And they did the same thing with cots. They lowered the standard for the women and, and less than what the men would. Like if, if, and to me, that's just like it's taking a stab at women saying that they're lesser. But, I mean, and that's the thing, uh, you know, it, it can't feel nice as a female to, to sort of be like, okay, they've lowered it for me, you know. It's, I just I don't yeah. understand that. I don't, I don't know, I imagine, but I'm not a female. So. I mean, have you ever experienced anything like that where you, you've gone through a trial and been it's been required to be less than what is the standard for men? Uh, well, I think, like, a lot of, like, the physical outcomes, like, all the expectations in the army, like, as we as we already know, or the military, not just the army, sorry, um, you know, like, the fitness standards are lower, the, the stuff like that, and I think, oh, here we go, I might tread on my dick here, um, <laughs> but there's, like, disciplinary stuff where I I have honestly seen some women just get away with things that, if a dude did that same thing, he would be in so much hot water to the point of being kicked out. But I've seen a female do, like, things that I just don't agree with and I don't believe they're a soldier's qualities and I just usually just say, like, that's, you know, they're not even a soldier's asshole and <laughs> and, um, and they shouldn't be in here. Like, their interest is not in the best interest of the Defence Force. They shouldn't be here. I don't care if they're male or female. But I, I have seen disciplinary stuff where I do believe women were treated actually better than, you know, I've had mates who have been accused of things in, from female they, that they did not do and eventually came out in the wash that they didn't do it, that they were treated like lepers and it, and, and yeah. it really affected their career. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where I get a little on the fence about it and, yeah, and not to be sexist in any in any way. I'm not. I'm not trying to be. I'm not a. I'm not a feminist. I'm not. You know. I don't. I don't have any issues with with anything. I just. But there sometimes there can be double standards, you know, and um, and that's annoying. <laughs> and as and as you said, you're like, oh, it must be frustrating as a as a female to be sort of reduced to that or or be expected just to do less and. And when you are a capable female who works really hard to make sure that you're not holding any of the team back in any way, so you're always viewed, I want to be viewed as a professional. Mm. I don't want to be viewed as a, what my gender is. I shouldn't even fucking come into it. Like mm. I don't even think about, you know, that I'm a female or a male or whatever. I don't, I don't care about that. I'm your colleague or, you know, your subordinate or whatever. I just want to be seen as a professional and just work hard and be in that sphere. So, yeah, I get really – there has been a few times where I've gotten sort of frustrated and where where things have come up. It might not even be directly to do with me, but it might be with, with other males or females where the whole – the kind of gender things kind of come into it and it's just do your fucking job. Just yeah. do your job and do it well. <laughs> that's fair enough. It's, what, it's honestly that's what, what made you join up originally? Adverts, a bad joke. Some quality ad campaigns, man. <laughs> yeah, quality ad campaigns. Uh, yeah, so what made me join up? So I finished, I, I got like halfway through my Bachelor of Science and I was like, oh, this isn't, 
you know, this is this is a stupid idea. I'm here because I thought that this is what I should be doing after school. Aren't you meant to go to uni after school? None of my family, my direct family that I'm really aware of. I have a really small family. Um, I don't know a lot about about either side of my family, actually. Um, we know we're military or anything like that. So I got accepted into law and I was like, oh, that could be cool. And at the same time, I was like, why did I just do that? Like, I'm not even interested in that. But it sounds, again, it sounds like, isn't that the thing that you should do? And um, and I remember just like, you know, my mom had somehow like organised this meeting with, um, God, what was he? Like, a, I can't even fucking remember anymore, like a barrister or a solicitor or something. And she was like, go and have a talk to him about it, you know, like a career and blah, blah, blah. And as we were getting into the car, because I was getting a little bit jaded about like, what should I do? Like, I'm, you know, what should I do when I grow up kind of thing? And, um, and I was like, well, if this doesn't work out, this chat, I'm just going to run away and join the army. And it was just a passing comment. I never even considered that. Anyways, chat didn't even go well. I was like, God, that sounds like a shit job. <laughs> and then, uh, and uh, and I'd already, you know, been accepted, you know, for a, a place into, you know, into law or whatever. And and I got home. My mom's like, So why don't you look up army jobs? And I'm like, No, mom, that was a joke. And she was like. <laughs> Yeah, but look up army jobs. And I'm like, oh, God, okay. Like, literally just to appease her and go to shop. I, like, you know, I open the laptop at home and I'm like, you know, the defense recruiting website. And there's all of these cool ads. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, yeah, cool. Actually, this looks freaking sick. I hadn't, didn't even really, hadn't even considered that before. And when I really decided at the end of it, like, perusing, uh, the 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 DFR side. I was like, okay, I want to be a helicopter pilot. Like that'd be cool. I think that's what I want to do. Went and did like the the um, assessment and everything. And what I failed on was um, trig like trigonometry without a calculator because I just hadn't done it for like a couple of years. And I like I, I just missed out by the skin of my teeth. And the assessing guy was like, oh god, like okay, it's like this. Like I know that we could give you a refresh quickly like a crash course and trig without a calculator and you could do this again this afternoon and you'd pass and it'd be fine you know you'd be off to, to to attempt to start your career that that's not how it works you can't start again for another six like you can't try this again for another six months oh, wow. <laughs> and at that point like I was you know still sort of you know I meant to start the new uni season doing law and I was picking persimmons and working at a um, you know, at a servo and riding horses. And I was like, oh, my God, just get me the fuck out of here. Like, I'm done. I can't do this for another six months. Just get me a job. Like, okay, I'll just take a, like a normal job, not an officer job. And he was like, okay, well, if you want to be a chopper pilot, then how about we get you into, like, helicopter operations side of things? So, you know, you can transfer over into being a pilot a little bit down the track if you if you want me to get you in now. You know, you've scored pretty much at the highest you can, which means you're eligible to do pretty much anything within, you know, the the other ranks type of profile. And that's how I ended up in the job in the job that I'm doing. And and I like, you know, eleven years nearly has passed and I still not transfer to be a helicopter pilot. <laughs> uh but but that's how I ended up sort of in the army. It was just, yeah, I just, and then within three months, um, they must've really needed, I guess, people in my role and whatever. Um, within three months I was at Kapuka from, from my U session, what they call a U session. Wow. Um, yeah, I was there. So wow. that was that. And I was locked in for four years, which was a really good thing. Cause, um, you know, like I didn't really know in the first year if I really liked it or not. 
But I think it's really good to lock people down, especially like in our generation, to, to make them sign that contract for four years because I think like the first year of being perhaps, I can't speak for other people, but, you know, that first year is a little bit tough, not like after training, like once you're actually in a regiment and you're like just sort of learning the ropes and whatever, it's 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 it can be tough. And, um, and I'm really glad that I was locked in for that four years so I couldn't just be like, fuck this, and then just leave. <laughs> um, because it just teaches you a lot and you, you pick up a lot of life skills and, and it makes you sort of stick at it and kind of lose that, you know, Gen Y Mm. mentality a little bit Mm. um you know i don't like this so i'm gonna go do something else because i'm entitled to do whatever i want (laughs) Mm. so yeah what's that 11 years later what's that saying though isn't like you go slow to anything worth doing so anything worth achieving you go slow to it so especially in this day and age where everything is at the fingertips you know there's no Patience. No, I don't want to say there's no patience. I mean, there's very little patience in many things. Instant gratification. That's yeah. it. Love it. Love instant yeah, gratification. No, truly. <laughs> yep. And it's in so many different, I think, facets of our life now. Everyone wants everything and they want it fucking now. They want, mm. you know, a relationship. They want their weight loss. They want their fitness goals. Like, they, I don't know. I think it's just becoming like this sort of thing of society at the moment where people just expect everything really quickly and and um, it gets kind of ingrained into you as well. Mm. And I think there's like even a little bit, I don't know, like I, like hit me with it if you think I'm, um, you know, you've got a different view on it, but people expect to be good at something straight away. Yeah, yeah. And, and if they're not good at it straight away, then it's not worth pursuing. Yeah. And, like, even I was a little bit of that mindset. Like, I guess, like, oh, it wasn't that I wasn't good at my job. I don't know. It was just, I guess, like, it wasn't, like, amazing all of the time. And, you know, and I guess in that first year, if I, I think really if I hadn't been locked in for that four years, I probably wouldn't have stayed. Mm-hmm. But I'm, now I'm just really, really, really glad that I, that I did because it really sort of kicked me in the ass. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know kick that kind of that bullshit kind of attitude out of me because I think it's really screwing over a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, they're not they're not prepared to do the work. You got to do the work yeah. to get you got to, to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to earn it. Well there's there's kids these days that are doing uni and then they're like 2 years into their degree and they just decide to switch up. And it's like, well, you know, you haven't seen one thing yet. Well, yeah. pick a subject, stick with it. I mean, with that though, yeah. you you should pursue something that truly does make you happy. That's you wouldn't true. you wouldn't expect anyone to stay in something that makes them miserable. But yeah. there is too much of just flitting around everywhere and not actually sticking something yeah. out. Yeah, I get that, but you'd think you'd have an idea of what, at least what you're going to be interested in. I don't think most people do. The trouble is that mm. you know, there's there's like a, it's that whole. There's so many options that you don't pick something. Mm. You know, the, the trouble is that. There's like when you go back 20 years, it was like your dad did this and he was exposed to this industry. And so you were like, okay, well, that's a thing. So we go into that. And then that's how like your career started and, and you, you stay with one thing. Now, like the average span of our generation staying in a job is very few people will stay in a specific job for more than five years. Like people are constantly changing. 100%. I remember when I was like going around to different schools before my twins went to school. And one of the particular schools we went to to sort of see if we wanted to send them there, their focus was on educating kids for jobs that don't even exist yet because mm. that's literally going to be the reality 
wow. you know, the jobs that they're going to be in by the time they finish school don't exist now. Yep. That's how fast things are changing. So I thought that was it was a, they didn't end up going to that school, by the way. But uh, that, I thought that was a, a good perspective. Um, <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's really that's that's kind of mind blowing. Hey, it is. It is. It's crazy. Like that. That's that whole technological wave. So like one thing creates the development of something else, then something something else, and it compounds on itself. And the wave of change that spreads through the economy, which in turn spreads through jobs, is quicker now than has ever been in the existence of humankind. So mm. things are changing Absolutely. quicker than they have ever changed before and people aren't ready for that and probably won't be ready for that because we're still running off of like, like the fucking 80s and 90s mindset and the generations that we have because that's what our parents have put down, uh, have, ta- have taught us. It's, it's like we – as a generation, like especially the new generations coming in, they will never know what it's like to have to sit through ads in like watching a movie. Like you, the ad comes on, you run off, you take, you get your chips, you go take a piss. Like you, you're like, it stopped, it cuts something off. Bro, right? you just take a bottle with you. You don't want to yeah, miss that episode. That's exactly right. Like you, you, like it, it's, it's like there's a stop in something. So, But now there is a never-ending, like the rope is never-ending for most things. So it's like constantly like you can like you can understand how kids get addicted to screens and people don't go outside and all that sort of thing. It's quite sad, actually. It is sad. Really scary, hey. Hundred percent. Now, Tash, uh, we alluded to it earlier. You, well, in our discussion before the podcast, you, you sent us a, f- a few images mm. today <laughs> from uh, your experience overseas. Now, when when did your was it six months you said that you spent over in, in British Columbia? When did that – was that during your time in the Army? So you took leave? Yeah. It sounds like you uh, you did something for six months that was probably well, amazing. Just just tell people what that was. It was uh, over in British Columbia? Mm, so probably I, – I reckon that's like the best six months of my life. Like, And I, I've had a pretty cool Army career, like, you know, kicking around with um, – helicopters and watching SF do their thing and whatever. So it's been really exciting. Like I've, I've had, a, I guess like I had a pretty exciting twenties, but this like really in its, in its own different way um, took the cake. So I went over in uh, 17 on a holiday, a week long holiday to a, like a boutique uh, fly fishing slash horse riding lodge in remote British Columbia in Canada. And um, I spent a week, you know, it's a week long thing. You get flown up on a private jet and you, you have this amazing week in you know, log cabins and riding really good horses up into the mountains and it's fairly advanced riding. Like you need to be able to ride to go on this holiday. And anyways, and <clears throat> I got asked by the owner there while I was there for that week, would I be interested in coming back the next season to actually work for her as a, as a, as a guide? Um, they have a very, very small knit staff. So um, even though like I was like one of the two, main guides and horse trainers you know I was still doing dishes at night and you know serving a bar in the evenings you'd have your you know roster to you know a couple of nights a week you'd work the bar and and we'd all we'd all clean the cabins on the Sunday while the big guest changeover was happening and jets were coming in and out you know exchanging our guests um but yeah so I went I went back the the following year uh once their season started again because obviously they work when there's no like you know, heaps and heaps of snow around. You can't really ride through that. 
so I went there a month early, like a month before the guests, you know, were due to arrive. And, and I, yeah, I worked at this lodge up in remote British Columbia for six months. And it is proper virgin country up there. Like it's actually Trudeau gave it back, you know, the PM, he gave it back to, um, it's the size of essentially like what you'd expect a station to be in Australia. So it's a huge landmass. Gave it back to the Indians up there, all the First Nations people up there. So it's proper virgin country. It's fairly untouched. You could go out on Lake Chilco and not see another boat. We were like one of the very few people that were able to continue to operate. Um, you know, um, Karen McLean and, and Bud McLean were able to keep operating Silos Lodge there because um, they'd been really, really, really good to the clan of um, First Nations people since the 50s. They'd employed them, always been really good to them. So when they were able to reassume uh, ownership of this huge landmass, massive natural landmass back, um, you know, through the Chilco River and that um, the Honeycatine people, um, they allowed them to sort of stay and keep running their business because they were all on really good terms. So, um, and it was just un- unreal. There is, like, you see pictures and videos of Canada and, you know, it's like like blue turquoise water and glacial lakes and big mountains that are glaciers and bears and moose and, you know, all this crazy stuff and it's just it is all of that and and more like you just cannot capture it in a picture or a video it's really really hard to do and it's just one of those things you just immerse yourself in there's no reception out there even the satellite phones are a pain in the ass sometimes and it was just amazing so I spent six months working at this lodge and meeting the most amazing people as guests that would come from literally all over the world you know you, you would just get such interesting people all week long like you'd, you'd have those guests for a week and it was just a blast you know so I was just riding horses like all day out in the absolute wilderness just going on all these adventures and I just had like the absolute best time and living in a tent our staff actually we didn't get to live on the big fancy log cabins we actually were out on like these platforms and they had you know like your safari tents like your big canvas safari tents we had big white ones of those and when the weather started getting colder, um, you know, as the salmon run sort of started to finish off, we actually had like these stoves that would be in our tents, you know, and, and the chimney would go right up through the through the tent and we would have all this, you know, pine that you would burn. And pines, when you come from Australia, you, you're from like ironbark and shit that you, you stuff that into the into your wood heater and it goes all night, right? You, you just come get up in the morning and stoke it up and, and put more in. Well, pine, you have to keep getting up like every couple of hours to keep like shoving the pucker full. That's real fucking quick. Yeah, it does. It burns so quick, which means like you don't actually get, once it starts getting proper cold, you don't get the greatest sleep at night because you're constantly filling up your stove with, with, um, with crappy pine. So in the end, I just was like princess in the pea. Like I just had like a thousand, but like kind of reverse. I had like a thousand blankets. I was like, fuck that. I'm not getting up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, I got I got over the whole wood stove thing real quick. So. Did you enjoy the snow yeah. though? Yeah, it was cool. Like I'm not really from anywhere cold, so and um, that was that was pretty awesome. Being you know riding out into the snow and riding out into sleet, you know, when it's kind of like between snow phases mm. and it's it's either really melting off or it's kind of like raining that 
like rough sleet stuff, that is um, character building. Um, <laughs> yeah. Riding your horse along in that um, and you know that, you know, even then when you get, you get back and your guests all go back into their cabins and they're having hot showers and they're warming up and going and having some, you know, shots of fireball at the bar, you've, you've got horses to tend to and you've got lots of other things to do before you go anywhere near being, you know, showered and warm. So <laughs> you've got hours of this. Um, <laughs> And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, just such an exciting, it was just the best six months of my life, like by and far. So with the tours, did you, did you go out, say, you know, riding or fishing for the day and then come back to the cabins or did you camp on the trail? Okay. So you could do two things at, at, at that lodge. You, you could do pack trips. You could book in for a pack trip and the pack, our pack guests would leave for sort of, you know, I think it was like four nights and, um, and just having like that army background, I was like, <laughs> you want me to sleep on a foam? No, you don't pay me enough to sleep on a foam roll. I'm going to go back to like a cabin <laughs> and like uh, drink alcohol every night and live it up with the guests in the warmth. Thank you. Um, so, and the other girl that was a guide, she was actually Australian as well. And she was, she was from the snowy mountains. So she was like all about the cold. And I'm from North, like I, identify there's that word again (laughs) (laughs) and actually when I'd left um to go Canada I'd come from you know Townsville so um I really and I love the heat so I was like yeah you can take the guests and go and camp out with them because I mean it's lovely to have guests and you know and I'm pretty good with people I like to think most of the time but when you're on a pack trip you're with them like the whole time yeah so and you get some interesting. Um, I'm sure you've met some horse people that can get um, interesting. <laughs> oh, <there's> definitely, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, like there's car nutters. There's also horse nutters. Well, we were talking about stigma yeah. before, and uh, yeah, look, there's definitely stigma with horsey people. <laughs> <laughs> they God. deserve it. Um, <laughs> we are we are weird. Like it's like if you when you sort of start talking to a fellow or something, it's like you know I'm. Like, like I'm a I'm a horse person, right? Like, I'm just going to give you like all the red flags now. Let's, I'm just going to make it easy for you, mate. Um, <laughs> oh, really dear. worn out. What about um? Did you see any grizzlies or anything like that over there? I think you sent a few photos. Yeah, you, you sent through of, a, a, a photo one, of your hand next to a paw, a paw that was the fucking size of your hand. Yeah, I actually think, like, I couldn't tell you exactly what that paw was. And we were out on foot. That So that photo, we were out on foot looking for the horses at the start of the season. It's, it's kind of wild. Um, like, there's like an 800-acre paddock. And they're like, girls, all of the horses go out there um, during the winter. You've got to go find them. Go find two, saddle them up. And then bring them all back. And, I mean, 800 <laughs> acres is a lot of land. Anyway, so we're just, like, walking around. And then, like, as we're walking down to the lake and we're trying to figure out sort of where they're coming to camp at different times of the day so we can come back the next day and catch them, catch two unfortunate too, we came across that massive paw print. And we're just, like, two, you know, humans on foot walk. And that was a pretty fresh footprint. I'm not sure if that was, like, a wolf or maybe like a big cat or something like it's a massive paw print though it's mm. not a it's not a bear print that's not a bear print um but whatever it was i'd say to come down that morning to 
to go down to the water because that was nearly at the at the edge of the lake there or the edge of the sort of the river outlet sort of um, to have a drink. So yeah. when, when we I, were just sort of like I remember we come across it and looked at each other and we're like, oh, my God, like, holy shit. <laughs> when you first sent it through, I like I took a glance and I'm like, oh, it's a fucking, like, it's a dog, like a wild dog. And I looked at it closely I'm like, that's a fucking big wild dog. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's yeah. it's crazy. But like some of the other photos that you sent through, all I don't know, 38, 40 of them. They- <laughs> I, I went like full crazy bitch on you guys. It was, <laughs> it was so good though. Like I'm driving along and my phone's just going ding 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 ding. I'm like, yeah. fucking oh. But like every single one of them, like they told a story. Like you could you could Definitely. there's like like basic fences going across these awesome meadows and then there's like these massive glacial landscapes that we could see and then Ooh. like on horseback and just it told a story about what you've done and it was so fucking cool. Just like just going through them and scrolling through and then you're just like, fuck, you, like, you want to have yeah. that experience. Like it's inspiring, man. Like really it is. Yeah. Like it, it, and it's it is amazing. Like it's just nothing. It's nothing like I've, I've sort of travelled around Australia a fair bit, but it's just different to that because you know it's so seasonal there. Mm-hmm. So every time, like even if I rode the same sort of trails, like I might have like a trail that I like to take on Monday and another trail I like to take Tuesday, and because I have different guests, obviously each week it's you know whatever. But it was constantly changing because the seasons are so significant over there. Like seasons aren't real significant in Australia. But over there, like autumn was by and far, like I don't really like the cold, as I said, but like I would put up with that with like my schmarg and, you know, all of my coats and everything riding along um, on my horse with my guests because the colours were just unbelievable. All these poplar trees for like miles and then backed by like all these glacial mountains and it's all each week they would, everything was changing colour. So you'd never get bored of the trail sort of is what I'm saying because it would just change constantly and because obviously the animals are seasonal too Mm. you're seeing lots of different animals across that six months that you're there you're you're seeing so much more different wildlife and actually this is fun the first time I came across like I came into like this little I was riding sort of through like this kind of I I came into basically like a plateau and it was like a big kind of almost like I think like a crater like a meadow and all up was either side of it was all um, real steep hills and pine trees and poplars and whatever. And and I came down into it and it looked like, you know, like when pigs have been like rooting stuff up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looked like pigs. I was like, oh, they have, they have pigs here. And it wasn't. It was actually bears. So if you can imagine where pigs have done a heap of damage, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking for roots and stuff like that, bears do exactly the same thing. So when they start to come out of um, hibernation, you'll see where bears have been because over there it looks like pigs, but they're they're eating roots and then they find berries and stuff like that. Like they're pretty much herbivores yeah, at wow. that point. Yeah. There you go. Mm. I have to remember that for when I go hunting over there. <laughs> <laughs> find the roots and berries. <laughs> yeah. Although, although you wouldn't want and a bear. That, you wouldn't want a bear that's straight out of hibernation, though, would you? No, they're crankier towards the end of the season when they've got their cubs on them, like uh-huh. like towards the end of the season. Sorry, towards the end of the season that I was there, when the salmon run is kind of on and they're coming out and they've got cubs on them, that's when you've got to like really, really respect them. Um, mm. And they're like where we were, we were situated on a river, like literally on the river. Our lodges are all built on the riverside. So 
there was just bears walking through. Like they just walk through the front lawn. Like I think I sent you guys a photo like one time. Yeah. The fish boys, like the fishing guides, they were they were some seriously cool dudes, our fishing guides. Like they just lived, breathed fly fishing. Um <laughs> And um, smoked pot like maniacs. And um, <laughs> they like, so accepted over there. It's good for you. And um, and they like called me out at like it was I wasn't quite ready to hop up and go do a workout yet. I think it was like just before five. And they're like, Tash, Tash, come out of your tent. Come have a look at this. And I was like, if I'm getting up and I have to put pants on, this better be fucking worth it. It was so worth it. Because it was like a, a grizzly bear just like sauntering past my tent. Like, <laughs> like right in front of me and I was like holy smokes like and then that was sort of like as the start of the season of, of bears just being up in your grill all the time like you know how roos are just everywhere mm-hmm. over there it was like that and you had to be so careful you know all the time be really cognizant of sort of your surroundings because there was a lot of bears around um you know going and looking for salmon because we were on that riverside as I said they were, they were out there looking for salmon and, and when they got their babies on them they um they do not fuck around like mm-hmm. they are cranky and they don't want you anywhere near them and they can run like hell like they will go you <laughs> that's, that's sort so, of something we don't really experience here. like we got things that will kill you that are two centimeters long but we don't really yeah, have any uh, like big game so like everyone's like searching their boots I'm for pretty sure a death. buff or a scrub or yeah like, i'm so like predators though we don't really don't uh, have like any significant nah, they'll, they'll predators go, yeah. I've seen. Yeah, but I've seen a, in Australia um, as a hunter in Australia. Like the worst thing you have to worry about is maybe getting to a bit of a biff with like a scrub bull running oh. on you that you don't see, or a kangaroo trying to have a like a fly kick at you. I was out hunting and a mate's uh, ute was rammed by a buff, and I I'd like Ooh. literally got out the door. I've gone to check this like, uh, water course in front of us, just at depth, and I've turned around and this. This bull's just charged the car. Yeah. Boom. It's no grizzly. And pi- it? pigs, will, pigs will gut you, man. Easy. Yeah, oh, well. Like, Have you, all right, I box know, on like, with a kangaroo next saying. time, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'd box on with a kangaroo. <laughs> Settle down. Now, nah, my, my, like, I, I just, I think that the comparison in big game, like, that'll kill you, that you, you have, like, very little defense against. In You're talking about carnivorous predators. Carnivorous predators. We don't yeah, have right. anything significant that we need to worry about. But yeah. All right. On that front, yeah. That's that's what I mean. Like, it, it's different because, it, I mean, I don't know if it's worse or better, but we've got creepy crawlies that'll kill you in a second. But we don't really have anything big that you need to pull up wire fences and, and have, like, a fucking desert eagle on your hip because something may come out of somewhere or anything. Like, we, don't, we don't have to worry about that. It's a totally different yeah. way, like totally different way. It, it really is. Yeah, you, you start to think in like a really different way. Um, like even at some point, like once the season really started for them for the salmon run, you know, they get they, they just start, like it just it's on like Donkey Kong. I, had, I used to get up and run about 5K every morning and then come back and do like a circuit and a weights workout. And, um, and I had to cut that away once the bears were really on the move because they're really aggressive and they're fucking everywhere. And you don't you don't not go for a run up a gravel road generally in Australia for for fear of you know like mm. um, a pig having a crack at you. Um, but the bears will absolutely. And then there was this one time I was running through like this one track, and I never went up it again by myself um, on foot. Like I went through there with horses, but um, I, like it was the most surreal thing. I was just like jogging along, and then and you know there's like birds and whatever, and then um, 
and I went through like sort of this one part around this bend of this track and everything went dead quiet. All the birds stopped. <laughs> everything stopped. Like it was eerie as hell. And I was even, and I just got like the prickles in the back of my neck and I was like, oh, that's not cool. And I sort of stopped and I like quickly like looked around and I couldn't see anything, could not see anything, but there was not one bird. Like everything just stopped. I, I can't really describe it other than that. And then I just got the fuck out of Dodge. I was like, well, <laughs> I'm going. Like, And I just like sprinted out of there because the, they've got like mountain lions and stuff over there and they call them over there, they call them bushwhackers because you don't know, you do not know that you've been hunted by a mountain lion until he's like pretty well on top of you. Like, yeah, they attack from behind. Yes, yeah. yeah. And um, they're so stealthy and they're so quiet and um, and they're, they're definitely a real issue. I always felt pretty safe on my horse because, like, I mean, that's a pretty formidable thing to take on, you know, like this big thing with, mm. um, you know, a weird thing on its back. So, mm. so when you, yeah, when but you, it's definitely think differently. When, you, when you're riding around on a horse, are they pretty good at sort of an early warning sort of system? Can they detect, like, do you say you're riding along on your horse? Do they know? Does their spidey sense? Do yeah, you? yeah. Do they? Do you know when they're picking up that there's a bear like in the area or something like that? Are they pretty good with that? Yeah, they they they're pretty learned. Like, because especially these horses, because they they would go out and live, you know, in the wilderness in that big eight hundred acre paddock and fend for themselves for you know sort of four odd months. You know, like when we brought the, that mob in, uh, I think I sent a little video to you guys. Um, when we brought that mob in, there was actually a, a sort of a foal in there. She was about eight month old, and and she had like down her rump two big claw marks, like all the way down. And so she must have had something grab her and miss. And, like, obviously I'd say all the other horses came in and fended it off. But um, but they are really wary. And I wouldn't say they're any spookier than than an Australian horse. I had a little Mustang cross-gelding that I was um, boot camping, you could say, because he, he had some uh, pretty interesting little naughty habits. Um, and he, But he was petrified of bears. Like most other horses, I pushed a black bear along once on a totally different horse and this black bear had come across our path and black bears are totally uh, like very different to grizzlies. Um, grizzlies, you you just respect them. Black bears, you can kind of bluff a little bit. Sometimes I've been told like you can try and bluff them and it's actually the joke's going to be on you, but <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of felt like I could bluff this bloke and I just kind of like pushed him along like a cow. And I was on a pretty big horse and he, yeah, he, he got out of the way and moved on. But I would never do that with a grizzly. You know, there'd be lots of times I'd be riding a trail because I was the head, you know, the guide, I was at the front. And if I saw a grizzly up on the trail, I would just like put my hand up and stop and just wait and then just let that grizzly and, and usually her cubs um, just move on. And they were not upset by the horses at all. They do not give a shit. They know that they are at the top, hey. like. Yeah, well. And it's the grizzlies, yeah. You just you just give them that time and 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 really respect them. But black black bears, you can kind of push the limit a little bit. But this this one little gelding, he just he would see a a, a, a bear, any kind of bear, miles away, like by a river up on a up on a, like a cliff top, and he'd be trying to bolt like the other way. He was like, nah, not going to do it." So yeah, that was that was really interesting. Actually, that other guide, one time I was riding along and she was in front of me and um, this was when I was like the first week where I was getting taught all these like ridiculous amount of trails and this deer like pretty much like jumped out out of like a thicket of shit and like nearly on top of her <laughs> <laughs> and, so, like, and just everybody just like starburst 
And um, and I was riding this really young horse who didn't do anything. She was just like so jaw-dropping. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really good. You just stay there. And her horse just fucked off. And she she rode her like like kudos to her. Like somehow she stuck on this horse. But I think everybody just scared the shit out of themselves, like her, the horse, and the deer because it like nearly like jumped on top of them. So that was really funny. Have you, have you ever had yeah. a client's horse just piss bolt? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> what, what and happened? And the funniest thing, so we, were, we weren't doing what we normally do every week. We were out bringing in some horses and, and when you're on another horse, when you're on a horse and you're bringing in a bunch of horses, sometimes the horses can get like a little bit excited and they want to like run off with the other horses. So you need to be able to handle the horse fairly well um, to be able to keep him in check and, you know, not let him want to run off with the herd that he's supposed to be like pushing. This, there were two Tasmanian girls and um, they're really lovely girls. And she was on this Appaloosa. Like, I don't use aren't horse fellas, but enough said Appaloosa's pricks. And uh, we were riding along, pushed these horses out of the scrub. And then the horses were like, well, you know, we've been like pushed out of our little hidey hole. So we guess we'll just go down to the stockyards now, which is about a 2K gallop. And they took off. And they were like, well, we're going to go. And, you know, they did the thing. And her horse took off. Like, it was after them. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was, like, yelling out to her. I was like, pull him up. And she just couldn't. She was just holding on for dear life by that stage. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, so I, like, gunned it on this this big horse that I was on. And he was really renowned. He wasn't very sure-footed. So I was just, like, five cent, 50 cent this whole time, like, galloping after her horse because I was going to, like, pull up next to hers if I could and, like, just you know, grab like a bridle or a rein or something and pull him up. And I'm like flying down this hill and I'm like, my whole, I just really felt like he was going to like go head first because he was just such a tripper. And there was a lot of rocks going down this hill that I was just flat bicky down this hill after her bolting horse was trying to go after this herd that we you know, were galloping off. And just as I'm like nearly able to come and draw level with her horse and, and pull him up, he ducked under a tree and <laughs> And coat hanging her. Yeah, it just like just such an Appaloosa thing to do. He could like it was like a huge field. He could have fucking gone anywhere. He went under this one tree. And, <laughs> and yeah, he full full coat hanging her. And you know, in your brain, you just like fuck there's no phone reception out there like if she's come up after like really good i'm gonna have to like satellite in you know maybe a helicopter or something i don't know like popped off my horse and she took it like a champ like (laughs) she did really well like she was so winded and her knee was like really hurt and it started to swell straight away and and I always carried like a first aid kit and whatever. And she was like no 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 i'm fine and i like bandaged her knee up with like a compression bandage a bit and you know got a um back to the truck and and um yeah and she was fine and she wanted to come right in the next day like come hella fucking high water and i was like that's cool man like I, champion. I respect that yeah yeah she was really cool about it but it was horrible hey like just and i nearly caught this horse and it was just so annoying like that i was just like so close and then yeah he managed to coat hanger at like top speed <laughs> so that could have ended so badly but it was it was okay thankfully did you give the horse a good yeah. talking to <sighs> Yes, look, that's not how we do horsemanship. But, um, 
Every now and then they need a good belt in their belly. Just grab that rask and just... You spotty motherfucker. You just don't entrust them to tasks like that again. You're like, okay, you had your one chance and you fucking blew it. Like, yeah, no. He, he was like, he was just being a horse, and you know, you don't you don't hold things like that against oh, horses. Yeah. So, yeah, but that was um, that was interesting. Yeah, well, that's just that just is a phenomenal story. <laughs> it's a good one. It's pretty good. It sounds yeah. like it, it sounds like it was a pretty good six months, I reckon. Yeah. So, do you think that's something you'd like to do? I mean, you mentioned that you're you're transitioning out of. What well, we keep using these woke words, identified transition. You are so woke, anyway, man. You're transitioning out of the <laughs> army now. So, uh, or the military, or the defence force, whatever you want to say. Mm. What's what's the next sort of stage or phase of life hold for you? And, and is something like that what you want to go back into or what's the goal? I'd love to. Um, so with Canada, you can only actually have a two-year working visa, oh. like two years, that's it. And then once that's up, that's it. Unless you have someone kind of like sponsor you. Um, and America is really, really hard to get a visa to work in. It's Oh, wow. It's really, really hard. So, you know, like what you guys mentioned earlier, like, oh, you know, you can shoot off horseback and go on like these hunting pack trips. That like I, I feel like that would just be the life. Like that would be really, really cool having guests and, and you know, and another, another type of outdoorsy thing which a lot of people, especially in Australia, we're not really familiar with is having um, pack horses. Mm-hmm. Pack, pack horsing is like um, it's a skill. It's an art form in itself um you know right. like because you've got to get all their weight right and 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 actually pull all that gear on them correctly and there's a real art to um and i think it's a dying art too because like how often do we use a pack horse to go anywhere like mm. um that that was a really cool part of canada like we went out for four days you know trail cutting and we had pack horses and that was really fun so yeah so something like what you guys mentioned before like being in a hunting outfit and and being a part of that out in horses that would be sick. But what I'm doing at the moment, I'm transitioning out. It is to go and have more of the lifestyle sort of that that I would like to have because army is a lifestyle, like, as mm. I'm sure, you know, you would agree. It's um, You sort of fit the rest of your life around it and, and I've loved it and it's been really good to me. But I'd really love to get into my, my passion of horses a little bit more full-time and, and um so I'm going to be on hopefully a two-on-two-off roster pretty soon as like an emergency response type of role, you know, out in rigs and mines and stuff like that. And um, so what that will allow me to do is be able to um, be in that horse world, immerse myself in that a lot more and and um, compete. So I'm getting really into endurance riding. Like so you go and do like 80 and 120K races yeah, wow. <laughs> on horses. You're on them for like hours and hours. And most, like a lot of those horses are like fire breathing <laughs> dragons, which I love. Like, I'm like, yes, you know, the fact that you like still want to like pile drive me into the ground, you know, after eight hours is freaking cool, man. Like, that's great. Mm. I can respect that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> give me a challenge. Um, yeah. So, and it, it's just, I've got a really cool opportunity with a, with a stud. Um, I just bought a house really close to the stud so that I can like be in a really close distance to work there and. They're arguably some of the best bred endurance horses in Australia. And um, and I'm just kind of like, I, I guess, just sort of now making my life sort of suit what I want to do more than what I think I should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's I really can respect exciting. that. That's yeah. really exciting. Yeah. And I think that's where 
a lot of people get to is like, well, you, you've got your job, but then what am I really passionate about? What do I want to do every single day that doesn't feel like a job? And that sounds like exactly what you're doing. So that's, that's really cool. We've, that's props to you. Big, big respect for that. Mm. More people need to do it, I think. I think it just it comes with that once you sort of got your ducks in a row of what you think you should be doing, then you sort of figure out what you want to be doing. Do you want to die happy or die sad? Yeah, that's, that's right. Think. You know, you, you sort happy, of. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I I did what I felt like I was supposed to be doing for a while, and then you sort of wake up and go, "Well, what's the fucking point?" Really, <laughs> I'm going to take a month holiday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> fucking oath. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like it's like Caleb said, like kudos to you, like you and and with the whole endurance thing, like because I know sweet fa about horses, let alone endurance riding with horses. So, what what does that mean? Like, are you at like full gallop for x amount of time, or are you just is it like you read your horse and you try to whoever's there quickest without yeah. killing it? How do you win? Yeah. <laughs> How do you win? Yeah, so that's really interesting. <laughs> um. So what I kind of like about endurance riding is that it's it's a mix of that sort of tenacity. Like, like I mean, you can't say to me that anyone that's just gone and ridden 160Ks on a horse um, through, like, heat, rain, being cold in the dark for six hours and, like, come out the other side, you know, doesn't have a bit of tenacity about them. You've, mm. you've got to want to be there. It's you can't be on a push button horse. You know, there's other horse disciplines in the world where people sort of, if they've got enough money, they can they can buy a horse that can already do all of the things, and they just learn to do it, be on it for twenty minutes, and then you know the horse kind of makes them look good. Um, like these horses are, are fit, they're ferocious. Like so, it's mainly dominated by the breed, um, which are Arabians, and and they're they're like a chocolate coated coffee bean. Like you either love them or you hate them. And um, and a lot of horse people hate Arabs, and I just really feel like Arabs are just—they're like a—they're kind of like an Australian soldier, I think. Like what we're sort of known for, like they've—they've kind of got their a really—I find they've got a lot of them have got a really good sense of humour. Um, once you get to know them enough, like these these horses are, once they trust and respect you. There's a loyalty there which makes other horses really kind of boring um, and they're really, really clever. They're really fucking tough. They just want to be there. They want to do their job. They're good at their job. And they're war horses. Like Arabs, were, they, they literally come from the desert and these tribes would war on these horses and these horses have like these, they're just, they're just fucking unreal and I just love it. I just think they're the coolest things out. And um yeah, if you can, and I just think they really, they don't, Arabs don't tolerate fools. So if you think that you're going to go in, and it's like an Aussie digger, you know, like if you're an officer and you think you're just going to like go in there and just like tell these guys what the fuck they're going to do, they're going to be like, whatever, champ. And like just do whatever the fuck <laughs> they were doing anyways. Like, you know, and, and, but if you can, if you can be a really good leader and a really good boss and kind of inspire them to be better, and then they kind of come at you with like they're like yeah okay like they they just kind of um, if you're a team with them an Arab will die for you like an Arabian horse they've been bred for fucking years thousands of years they will die for you and it's just a partnership with a horse which I I, I really find you know there's really great horses out there I started obviously like my background is is sort of stock horses and quarter horses and and I love like a lot of people are like oh they're so arrogant and I'm like I love that. 
like just like that's fine like the fact that they don't you know i can't just come along and be some stranger and just tell this horse what to do they're like whatever man whatever like i don't fuck off that's cool i respect that i think like i identify there's that word again i identify with that a little bit you know they're just like don't tell me what to do and um but if you work in with them and you you create that respect it's just a team work that i can't even really describe and so when you're on them for these hours and hours um it cuts down to i guess that 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 team that 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 teamwork and that will to want to be there because mm. like by you know 80 k's you either want to win or you don't and and it is about managing your horse and and they will like it's like any animal like you would find with your pig dogs you can tell when they're fucking knocked up and you don't keep pushing them you can tell when your horse is knocked up and you just sort of give him a break and you just learn because there's a lot of kilometers ridden at home before you get to one of those events so you know that animal really really well you have like a really awesome sense of each other and um and you manage them and you do it in legs like you don't just go like 80k flat chat um, it's all about the horse and his welfare and you've got to come through, you know, you do like a 40K leg and then you'll vet through and you go out and do another 40K leg and, and the vetting is to make sure that the horse's welfare has been kept. He's, he's not lame. You know, his heartbeat has come down to, you know, a certain amount per minute and he's he's deemed fit to continue to race. Now, some of these guys that race these horses, those horses can get yucks if they gallop the whole way. Well, not exactly, but some of them get pretty fucking quick. Um, they get really, really fit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty exciting. Like, and I'm a bit of a rev head. Like, I just I love to go anywhere fast. And these horses, they don't poke along. Like, when you're being competitive and they're fit, they don't, they don't want to poke along. They're just like they see another horse in front of him, you know, uh, you know, 500, 400 metres down the track and they want to go eat him. And I'm like, cool, let's go do that then. Like, <laughs> yeah, if you got like, yeah, I just I just love it. I kind of get caught up in it. And and if anything, that'll be my learning, my my working edge, I should say, is um is learning like where to temper that back and and make sure that I'm managing, you know, my teammate and making sure that his enthusiasm to be in front isn't like coupled with my own enthusiasm to to beat and then, you know, sort of knocking him up too quick and making sure that I'm being the mature one and um, being like, yeah, look, you've still got like 60Ks to go, man. Just cool your jets. It's, like, it's totally different. Though. It's like because so. like you think about motocross, for example, versus horse riding. Like instead of dealing with a machine, you're dealing with a personality. Like you, you, Oh, and they've got big personalities, <laughs> yeah, and they're all different. Yeah, that's that is so great. I, I can really appreciate that, how it's not just a physical race, it's it's like a, a psychological race that you're you're bonding with this animal that's got a personality yeah. of its own. That's just something else. Like people that don't associate with horses, like that don't really know anything about what goes on, it's a totally different thing. It's it's crazy. It's nuts. Like, what else is there that's like that? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, like dogs are the same. Or like running dogs, you know, each dog's different personality mm. can run yeah. run harder or you know well, do something better. I was just going to say, relation to you know having a relationship with an animal. There's a a blue heel that's been kicking around mm. in the background. There is that, that's another love of yours, Tash. Your your dog. Can you see her on the way? Hey. <laughs> oh, just chilling. Where they should be. Assumed her position. Um, she actually went for a fifteen. I, I 
um, took one of the horses out for a training ride today and um, did fit, uh, like a solid 15K in him. Like I trotted and cantered most of the way. So she's pretty she's pretty tired. Um, yeah. But that's Safi Dog. Um, that's my little blue healer. And, yeah, she's awesome. Again, I think it's like I don't like animals that are just like, you know, kind of like real basic and, and it's, um, you know, I'm sure like you guys would know blue cattle dogs are real like one people kind of dogs usually and they've mm. got that like excuse my language but they've got that bit of cunt about them and i just yeah. i love yeah, that they do. i'm like Definitely. yeah and i love it i just think it's great I, I don't know i just really respect that in another animal like maybe that's I, I see a bit of like identify with that or something there's that word again but um yeah i just blue cat, i wouldn't know anything other than a cattle dog personally um but yeah she's she's great she's been awesome i was really worried when i went to canada that when I came back, the fella that I left her with, because um, I would always do whatever was, was best by her, you know, mm. and I, I'd, I'd kind of come to the terms within my head that she very well might need to stay with him. Like if she had become attached to him by living with him for six months, you know, if, she, if I felt that she really wanted to be there with him and had really bonded with him, then I would have just, you know, I would have made me heartbroken, but I would have just accepted that and let her do, you know, be stay with him and, and, and given her to him. But, um, you know, she slept on his bed every night and he used to cook himself breakfast every morning, bacon and eggs, and she would have her plate on the floor as well. She got <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Really spoiled. And he used to take her for runs at the dam and um, really, really looked after her really, really well. And I'm so grateful. But um, so I really thought I was going to have to give her to him when I got home. But when I got home, she didn't give a shit. She was whatever. Like she just saw me at the gate and that was it. Like she didn't. She didn't care. So, see you, mate. Thanks. Bye. And uh, my mum's home. Yeah, nice. Just a cattle dog. That's what yeah. you want out of dogs. Though, loyalty. That's definitely a good trait. They're amazing in, in dogs. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, they're just awesome. I love that. Yeah. And I was selfishly very fucking glad that she wanted to come home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, of course. That's the preferred option. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely. Well, I think we're we're coming to a sort of natural end to the conversation, Tash, but something I have to ask you is like if you go through your Instagram, you've got your – you can definitely see the cruiser. You can see the love of horses. You can see a bit of army in there. You can see your dog. And then there's also a bit of, a bit of modelling and a bit of photography sort of stuff as well. Now, is that a, a passion of yours or is that just something you've, you've found yourself involved in? Bit of column A, bit of column B. Like I have this real fear around um, getting to a point in my life at which point I can't go back and do anything differently, or I can't do it at that point anymore. Yeah. And um, and I always had like an interest in in modelling in terms of the creativity of it. I love creativeness. Like, and when you're working with a really cool photographer, like they they are there because they're really creative as well. And it's just a lot of fun. Like, I just have fun with it. Yeah. Um, when I, you know, w- when I get like um, cool shit out of the shoot that I'm happy, um, I'll probably look at chasing up maybe an agent soon. But it's just not important to me. I just love doing my own thing. I like doing something unique. There's, I like trying to cut through the noise, I guess, because there's a lot of the same shit, you know, mm. as you scroll and it's all kind of same, 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 and yeah. which is awesome and I love it and I follow the same pages probably that a lot of you fellas do. 
but there's just something about women. Women are really, um, there's just a real, a, a, a beauty, like a feminine thing that women have that like would probably be quite hard to achieve with a man in a photo. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, we probably wouldn't look quite as good with a bunch of uh, silvery green triangles stuck all over our body. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. I think I, I could know. rock that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so give it a crack. If that's what you want to do, you just you do you boo. Like, we'll, we'll give it. A, we'll give it a go. <laughs> so tell me how you go. So it's it's just a very different outlet for you is what is what you're saying I guess. Yeah, I just love it. It's just fun for me. Like I don't and as I said, like I don't get wrapped up in what other people think. I just couldn't give a fuck. Um I just do me and I just feel like um I just try to be my most authentic self and and if that's just like exploring different things and and I don't I I'm also funny like I don't have a hang up about nudity. I just don't care. Like I'm like oh my god, it's a body like big deal. Some people get really wrapped up around the axles about nudity and, like, I don't know, I just don't, I don't get it. That's cool, but I just don't care about it. I just, I don't know, I don't, I don't think I think about it in the same way a lot of people do. Like, it just doesn't really phase me. Almost like a European, you know how Europeans just, they just don't care. Yeah, a lot more free and um, relaxed around it. Like, it's just normal. Yeah, I'm just kind of like that, I guess. Like, I just... I don't know. I'm just quite com- I'm just comfortable in my own skin and, and and I just do me and I just do Tash things and I guess if you know, if you have people that, that really enjoy the creativity of that or the femininity that, you know, I, I sort of try to bring to that, then um then that's really cool. And and I just think if you as long as you're your authentic self and you're just doing you, you will just just naturally attract people into your space that um are kind of aligned with you, if that makes sense. Like you find your tribe. Yeah, but if you're trying to be something that you're not or you're not exploring a part of yourself that um, you really, you know, want to, then then you'll never know, Do you know. Like it's, I don't know, does that, I don't know if that makes sense, but okay. um, you just you just do your own fucking thing and then if people like it, great, and if they don't, then who cares? <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah. That, that makes a heck of a lot of sense. It's refreshing to see someone just chase their passions and not not get caught up in the in the stigma of oh I've got to work nine to five and what you shouldn't shouldn't be doing really isn't it like it's just fucking do what you want like it doesn't matter it's good really just do whatever you want you're not going to get that time back you you don't get time back time is I think to me my opinion more more important than money like Mm -hmm. like time is a commodity and it's actually more valuable than money yeah but you don't get it back you can make you can lose all your money and you can go and make money again (laughs) but if you lose your time doing shit that you don't fucking want to do pleasing people that you actually don't even like and I know that sounds so cliche but it's it's just actually so true you're you're wasting that and that's your own fault yeah and you've got that choice you mentioned earlier that you know like and comes down to the time thing that we're all getting older the older we get mm. where we can't do the same things that we can at a certain age so you lose yeah. the the ability you know you get old your body gets weary or broke yeah um so yeah that's yeah, yeah oh, i'm definitely in accord i'm about to scoot off with my missus actually on a bit of a trip around australia in a caravan and a nice cruiser oh. so we're just gonna yeah. we're gonna pop smoke we were like nah we just need a we just need yeah. to go for it, you know. So yeah, 
Good thing. And I really believe that. Hey, like it's mm. just if you get an opportunity and you're like, oh, but it might like alter my career. As I said, like earlier, I'm the, I'm the queen of leave without pay. Mm-hmm. Like it's because like if I have something kind of cross come across my plate, which seems to happen a lot, um, I just go, I just go do it. I'm yeah. like, because. You know, everyone kind of goes on about that dash. It's mm-hmm. like, what are you doing with the dash between the two dates? And only you can control that. So yeah. just do whatever the fuck you want to do. And as long as you're not hurting other people, um, just do whatever makes you happy. Like, fire That's out. it. At least you can <laughs> say you've given something a crack. Even if it didn't work out, at least you gave it a crack. Yeah. As long as you enjoy it, go for it. Do it. Do your thing. That's it. <laughs> 100%. But I think yeah, that's 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 about all the, the questions I think we've got for you, Tash. Have you have you got anything you want to ask us? Yeah, like how did you guys end up starting like a podcast? Like where does that <laughs> where does that come from? Where you're like, hey, let's do interviews and talk what, about what we love. Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of alcohol. That's where it started. They do say it's something you just do in your thirties. So you better watch out now. You might start a podcast. <laughs> but um is that, is that a thing now? Like the Podcast 30s. Yeah, like it's usually associated with being a white male and 30. You've got your own podcast and a bunch of other things. Anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> um, look, it was it was my idea um, and I just – we've always listened to podcasts and I sat there one day and, and we've always amongst us sort of always been looking for that thing to do as a collective um, that ties us together and gets us in the one spot because as blokes, it's the worst to try and organise events. We're just disorganised as. So having something that we have to do and have to rock up to do um, just works for for organising us. And I I rang Josh one day and I said, why don't we do a podcast? As I was sitting there listening to a podcast on a long drive, you know, we can talk. You've got plenty of stories. He's got – He's got a lot of experience from his time in the army and then we've got plenty of hunting stories as well and we all have the same interests. So why not talk about it um, and try and, and create a sense of community and hear other people's stories and 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 just, you know, it's so interesting to hear what, what people are passionate about. I think that's that's the biggest thing. I think, I think we wanted to help build a better hunting community but also build – like cut down some of this tall poppy syndrome that happens in Australia, yeah. you know, and lift people up as well. Absolutely. So, but yeah. above all, just have fun and be, as yeah. we've as we've mentioned a few times on this podcast, be your authentic self. So yeah. we, like we swear and carry on and, and are quite inappropriate and not politically <laughs> correct at all at times, but that's who we are. And if again, if people like that, then they'll listen. If they don't, then don't yeah. fucking listen. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, think, I think if we had like yeah. ten listeners, it, we wouldn't give a shit. If it was ten listeners or ten ten thousand, we'd still be doing the same thing. Like, yeah, it's cool. just like we're we're not here to be rich and famous, and we're not here just to you know make each other feel good. We're here because mm. we're passionate about what we do. That's it. And we need an excuse to get together and drink piss. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we had the podcast, we we, we still did the same thing. So it was was pretty much just carry on, man. Yeah. And now we have a structure about doing it. But more often. (laughs) Now now if we rock up, we'll just start drinking without actually doing what we were supposed to have been done. We we get crucified. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So yeah, no, it's look, it's it's good fun. We enjoy doing it and you know, people seem to enjoy listening to us yabber on like idiots. So 
Hey. Like we've we've met some phenomenal people, like yourself, like people that have got some amazing stories mm. that we're we're letting other people hear that and be inspired and understand that there is this vast fucking world out there that they can go and do shit. Like that's that's the biggest thing for me that I get out of this is meeting some crazy some crazy people with some crazy stories. Not to say that you're crazy, but just Definitely that, crazy. I'm like I now, never, but- I never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't can't do that. But I, I, I never thought that I would be sitting down and having a conversation with someone that's done what you've done, just like as if you were sitting next to me and we're having a yarn and it and it reaching out to all the people that we reach out to. Like it is, it is seriously humbling. In and I fucking hate that word, humbling. But <laughs> what we do. When I was a kid, was it was like I hadn't even thought about any of that sort of thing. Like, it just wasn't wasn't an option. But with technology yeah, advancements and that, all the stuff that we talked about previously, it, it's just it's you know it's it's a hobby that we have that is awesome. I yeah, fucking love it. I think part of it sort of stemmed with you rock up at some you know properties we'd go hunt on or or whatever, and the farmer would come out and sit around the campfire with you and have a yarn, and then you end oh, yeah. up having this sometimes bizarre conversation with a stranger and you just learn about their life and what they've done. And, and those are some of the best moments. It's a pity we can't have a big yeah. campfire in between us, <laughs> but you know, that that's sort of the, the ethos behind what, what we like doing is, is talking to people and, and having those campfire sort of discussions, I guess. So yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's okay. how we came about and things are, things are growing and, and yeah, it's sort of snowballing and we're, we're having fun and yeah, it's, it's been a good ride so far. It's, it's been what, about 18 months now, I think. So yeah. Yeah. It feels like a month. <laughs> it's gone quick. Yeah. It's gone real quick. That's your time management skills. Anyway, um, we do have to say a big thank you to you, Tash, for your time this evening. Yes. We're very, very generous with your time, and mm, uh, you. we've enjoyed it a lot. So, thank you very much for coming on the podcast this evening. Yeah, thank oh, you. No worries. I hope it wasn't too boring. It wasn't about like the super, you know, super hunting and world's greatest no. kill or anything like no, that. No, no. <laughs> but that, that's what we wanted. We wanted a different, a different perspective and something that we, well, somebody that we, we haven't necessarily um, had on before. So. It's what we want and we don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. It's what we wanted, Tash. We wanted you on the podcast and we don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. So there you go. And, and I think like given that you're sort of in a transition period at the moment, we'll check in with you in a bit and, and see what you've got up to and see what you've managed to fill in with the two weeks and what you're uh, – Semi-retirement. Like what a <laughs> Oh, no. It was, it's a shift, mate. It's it's not like uh, it's not like you're going off <laughs> no, to – No, it's cool. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's just the coolest. Like I'm, I'm not even going to work like half of the year and get paid more than what I'm being paid now. And I'm just like, what fucking oh, yeah. yeah. Like, bring it on. Yeah, well, I mean, um, we love these stories. We had, um, we had Josh from uh, Jericho Australia on the podcast, and he mm. did very much the same sort of thing. He's transitioned out of the army to something he's passionate about, and it's, it's really cool. Um, we love those sort of stories. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks again, Tash. And uh, how can people find you if they want to have a look at your Instagram? Uh yeah, we'll just um maybe just I guess link me on the thing, but I think it's like oh what is it underscore t underscore a s you know etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It's like a bunch of underscores through tap. You made it too bloody hard for yourself, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really did. Or or just look up Ken Oath Clothing, Ken Oath, um, which is owned by Desi, who's. One of the coolest cats I've ever met. I just, I just love Desi and his wife Dee. They're they're just a really cool bunch, and I work pretty closely with them. 
doing their Kenneth clothing, which, and we just try to embody everything that's just that Australian, like capture that Australian ethos in clothing. And they're just a small Aussie business and, um, and I model for them a little bit and, and I'm just become really close friends with Desi and Dee and they're, they're really awesome. So if you jump on Kenneth clothing, you'll, you'll find me, I guess, and then a bunch of other really, really fucking cool people. So, so what is, yeah. what, what is, what sort of clothing does Kenneth put out? Oh, mostly at the moment, um, like, you know, we've got like T-shirts and hats and bumper stickers and some pretty funny, some pretty cool stickers actually. Desi's really, really clever and he takes like a lot of like kind of retro stuff and then um, like stuff that we grew up seeing as I guess as kids or, um, you know, stuff you saw around your parents shed and that and then he kind of creates. um, Real Australiana type stuff. Yeah, yeah, but not in like an annoying like, um, not in like, like the tourist like gift shop sort of way. No, it's, yeah, actually, it's actually cool. Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's quirky. There's usually like a play on words. It's a bit naughty. Yeah, we just so Australian sense of humour for sure. Well, look at the name of the company, oh, yeah. Kenoth. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, Kenoth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for oath, our yeah. overseas listeners, Kenoth yeah. means fucking oath. <laughs> that's yeah. that's like a slang term for it. Abbreviated is something that's abbreviated. And if you don't know what fucking oath means, look it up in your dictionary. Go take a long, hard look at yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a really solid way of saying yes. <laughs> exactly. Hard yes. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up again. Tash, thank you very much for being on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we'll Thanks keep in so touch. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah really thank you. It. Thank you. Excellent. No worries. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with another another episode. Send my podcast and uh, stay tuned because we're fucking awesome. And you guys are listening, so it's a thing now. <laughs> right, I do and do that. We'll catch you next week. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and hit us up. Send it, mate. Podcast on the Instagrams. We're on Facebook. We're on everywhere. Tell your friends. Tell your girlfriends. Tell your boyfriends. Tell everyone. Woo. <laughs> Gotcha. G'day, dude and dudettes. Josh here. Do you find it hard to keep your long, hard barrels free from gun STDs? Maybe you need a clean out of your bore. If this is you, jump on over to highcaliber.com.au and use the promo code SENDITMATE to receive a 10% discount on all your gun cleaning needs. And remember, it's sexy to support Australian-made products. Everyone here at SENDITMATE uses High Calibre and we can promise you that it'll keep your firearms free from those pesky gun STDs.